morning, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan, and I think we're going to go ahead and call this Danielle in the drive time because technically still, right, you might be on your way home sitting in traffic because there is a lot of it out there. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you up until 11 p.m. tonight. Paul Rosenberg and I are coming to you live from the Boomer and Geo studio here in lower Manhattan, and we are working on a weekend like usual. You know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your speed dials. 877-337-6666. And let's load them up with your best content only, please. At By the way, programming note here at 1020. We've got executive reporter for MLB.com and MLB Network, Mark Feinstein. He's an insider for MLB Network, and he will be here live. Not here, but on the phones live. And giving us a glimpse behind the curtain into hopefully the inner workings of the front offices of both the Yankees and the Mets. So there is something for everybody that again, Mark Feinstein will be on with us at 10 20 PM. So come on and let me know. In terms of job security for both the, the Yankees general manager, Brian Cashman and their manager, Aaron Boone, should he stay or should he go? But what does it say to you that Hal Steinbrenner has yet to make a public declaration one way or another? Because to me, it speaks volumes. I went back. Last season's wrap-up press conference was on October 14th, which was exactly five days after the Yankees were sent packing by the Tampa Bay Rays. This season... The Yankees were eliminated by the Red Sox on October 5th. Isn't that the date in Mean Girls? What day is it? It's October 5th. Today's the 15th. Ten days have passed since the Yankees were eliminated from postseason contention. I I don't call it the postseason. I guess technically it is, though. But either way, if if it's linked to the Yankees' elimination or if it's linked to the calendar date, based upon last year, The season-end wrap-up press conference is late. And I'm beginning to wonder why exactly. This, I feel, this Yankees thing has become a gigantic game of chess. The Yankees, Thursday, fired two hitting coaches and Phil Nevin, who is their third base coach. I never got to meet Marcus Tims, Tims, but I got to meet Phil Nevin and... I actually got to know him kind of well over the summer. So, you know, I do wish all of them the best and lucky, you know, finding a new position, but it's not going to be with the Yankees. And the fact is, the Yankees fired two of Aaron Boone's closest consiglieri, two of his closest confidants in Marcus Timms and Phil Nevin. More, really, Phil Nevin. It was his right hand man. As almost if to say the Yankees are saying, like, check like a game of chess, you know? To me, it sounds as if the team doesn't actually want to actually declare checkmate because they feel, I feel like they are allowing him to make his own decision. And what do I mean by that? Well, there are already rumors of him leaving to other teams. I mean, the San Diego Padres, for example. For a guy that was born, and I mapped this this afternoon, Literally 22 minutes from Petco Park to inherit a stacked team like that? That's got to be quite enticing. And maybe the Yankees give him a low ball offer 
maybe a slight raise from last season. Maybe it's just a one-year deal. And maybe the Padres give him either a higher dollar amount or more guaranteed years. Boone would then be able to part amicably from the Yankees as and say, as in, hey, I love the Yankees, but I, I just got a better deal from the Padres. Love you guys, but I'm out of here. And I'm going home. That is how I'm hoping this will transpire because, again, there have been no public declarations from the team either way yet. The word on the street that I received from a very trusted source in all of baseball this morning was, and and listen carefully, this person said, Hal Steinbrenner's preference is to keep Boone on a new two- to three-year deal, maybe two with an option in year three. But what good is it to get rid of a manager than keep the general manager that put the product on the field to begin with? Brian Cashman only has one year left on his deal. And instead of getting on the manager, GM, chicken or the egg, which came first merry-go-round, I say, can them both start over fresh? Don't let the current general manager select the new manager who could theoretically outlast him. It doesn't make sense to me. Hopefully, Hal Steinbrenner and his team of people are looking at this Yankees team and its competition through the same lens that I am. And not the one that Aaron Boone is. Boone said, after being bounced by the Red Sox, this is a quote, the league has closed the gap on us. We got to get better in every aspect. That needs to be front and center as guys prepare in the offseason and get ready for spring training next year. They got to get better. End quote. For the Yankees, overall, it's not about getting better. It's about the team no longer being on the cutting edge of side of things. Whereas other teams like the Rays, are. Sure, Gary Sanchez theoretically could work on actually catching the ball, but will that make him a top catcher in the league? Or even good enough for this team to win a World Series? Remember, the top two pitchers on this staff, Cole and Kluber, don't want to pitch to him. That's indictment enough for me. Sure, Luke Voigt can work on his footwork and mobility around the first base bag, provided that he isn't injured. But will that make him a top first baseman in the league? Or even good enough for this team to win a World Series? No. Anthony Rizzo is the answer and should be in pinstripes for at least the next five years. Do you see where I'm going with this? Every player has a ceiling. And I think we're seeing it with guys like Gary Sanchez and Luke Voigt. You know, I I also understand that Aaron Boone is a product of his environment. Like, he, like... Even most managers, I'm going to go out and say, most of them, he's not a sole decision maker in anything, I don't think. At least that's the perception, right? I think we can all agree on that, that it's a team effort, right? They told you as much. But I hate how he manages his starting pitchers and how many pitchers have actually been out there and expressed their discontent about being yanked too early, both on the mound to his face and in the post-game press conferences. One thing of note that that I can add to this conversation, I asked pitching coach Matt Blake about who makes the in-game decisions on pitches. Pitchers. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that they provide Aaron Boone with all the information that he would need to make the decision, and then he goes ahead and ultimately makes it himself. Okay. 
And then you got Brian Cashman. Unless Brian Cashman gets up there at that podium in the season-end press conference and says, I had a philosophy for the construction of this team and built my team according to it. I had a philosophy for the construction of this team and instructed the manager that I, that I was part of choosing after firing the previous one. And I instructed this manager, Aaron Boone, to manage according to my philosophy. Both of those things we learned are wrong. This is what I hope Brian Cashman says. This upcoming season, we, the Steinbrenners, down through the manager and his coaches, have a plan in place to combat that entire ideology. And most notably, the construction of this lineup. That's what I would like to hear from Brian Cashman. And unless that happens, to me, this is a package deal. I don't think they both deserve to stay here. I'm sorry. And that is the double-edged sword of a collaborative effort. They're all in this together. Take this statistic into consideration. The Astros. Say what you want to say about the Astros, and I have Channel 5 on, Fox 5 on right now in the studio. The Astros have the correct approach at the plate, and they've been assembled correctly. Say what you want about Jeff Luna. They have been assembled correctly because they are still winning. And in their series, the Astros series, against the White Sox, they had 45 hits. Only eight of those were pulled. Guess who won that series? Oh, that's right. The Houston Astros defeated the Chicago White Sox by pulling only eight of their 45 hits that whole entire series. No defensive shifts there. Just straight-up baseball defense. And that's the point that I'm trying to make about the construction of this Yankees team. They aren't that. I mean, look at the shift that the other teams employ against Joey Gallo, for example. Four outfielders. Literally, there are four guys playing at outfield depth when he is at the plate. That's an extreme example. But against many of these Yankees hitters who are feast or famine at the plate, the opposing defense has a beat on them. Who's in charge of putting that actual product on the field? Brian Cashman is. And ultimately, at the same time, it would not surprise me at all if I got the notification five minutes from now, ten minutes from now, Sunday, next week, that says the Yankees decide to offer Aaron Boone a new contract. It wouldn't surprise me. Status quo. George Steinbrenner died on on July 13th, 2010. In the 12 seasons the Yankees have had since then, they've made it to the postseason nine times. That's great, right? Well, they haven't won an American Championship Series yet, American League Championship Series. And, of course, they have yet to win a World Series. So here it's election season around here, right? Here's a slogan for you. If just making the postseason is your benchmark, then Boone Cashman 2022 is your ticket. You think that I'm still holding on to something you should go and love yourself. Yeah, I want to learn this song on my trumpet, by the way. But the Nets did something that I did not think that they would do. They put their proverbial foot down and stated that Kyrie Irving cannot be a part-time player. In an age, especially in a league, where players are the ones that dictate the next moves, I was actually shocked to read the statement put forth by Nets GM John Marks. It might as well have been... Taken from a line from that Justin Bieber song and said, Kyrie Irving, you can go and love yourself because Mark said in the statement, and not, this is not the whole statement, but he said, 
Given the evolving nature of the situation and after thorough deliberation, we have decided Kyrie Irving will not play or practice with the team until he is eligible to be a full participant. Kyrie has made a personal choice, and we respect his individual right to choose. We will not permit any member of our team to participate with part-time availability. Good for them. Ian Eagle said, This is a team sport that you have to determine what's best for the entire team. And while respecting any individual's rights and privacy, this affects everyone on the Nets. And Richard Jefferson, who, oh, by the way, was a Net, albeit in New Jersey, said, These are the rules. The team and the NBA didn't make it. This is a city ordinance above what anyone's pay, people's pay grades. Everyone else has compiled or complied, and they had work to try and accommodate Kyrie. And without Kyrie, he said, the Nets have enough to win a championship. And guess what? Las Vegas agrees with Richard Jefferson and thinks so too. The Nets are the favorites to win the NBA championship this season, even without Kyrie Irving. They're at plus 250, and the Lakers are behind them. That's, you know, the second best odds to win the championship at plus 400. Durant said he has not spoken to Irving since the decision, which is crazy to me since Irving and Durant teamed up literally to be here in New York. And Durant said on Thursday, I wish none of this stuff would happen, but this is the situation that we are in. Kyrie made a decision on what he wanted to do and chose to do what he wanted to do, and the team did the same. It's on me to focus on me, do my job, and let those two parties handle that situation. Oh, and then the Instagram Live. Coach Steve Nash said he didn't watch Kyrie Irving's Instagram Live, which he looked like a blithering idiot and said so many words but nothing at the same time. So much so that I couldn't even get through the whole thing, honestly. And you know I have a lot of patience for that kind of stuff. And like I said last week, How exhausting is it for this entire organization, right down to the players in that locker room, to have to still keep answering for him? I would not survive in that locker room. I would absolutely, as a player, be expressing my frustrations to the media. Durant and Harden, they haven't taken my path. Not yet. And you know what? It's probably better that way. And I have a crazy sarcastic solution to this whole entire problem. You ready? New Jersey doesn't have any of these restrictions anymore. That's it. Open the IZOD Center. Open the Continental Airlines Arena back up. The Nets are coming home. No, but in all serious, though, I think the best course of action from a Nets standpoint, though, is to trade him to a team without COVID restrictions. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's what he wants anyway. Maybe he can't handle New York like he thought he would be able to. Maybe he can't handle playing third fiddle to Durant and Harden like he thought he could. I mean, it could be anything. But if this guy is really serious about playing professional basketball, if this guy is still passionate about the game of basketball, then he would welcome a change of scenery so that he can go out there and he can go play the game of basketball that he loves so much. If he does not have that desire anymore, which to me, it does not look like it, this is yet another excuse for him to be off the court and still getting paid millions of dollars for it, at least half of his salary. And remember, with the Nets alone, he opted out of the bubble season. He disappeared for weeks last season, but there were pictures of him, maskless, indoors with a large gathering of people for, what was it, his sister's birthday? And now this? 
Is that the mark of a guy who really wants to play basketball? I mean, really ask yourself that. You decide. I already told you my answer. Wouldn't that be nice if you're a teacher or healthcare hero in this city? You know, if you're among the ones that are, are not allowed to work without the vaccine, but you're still not getting paid for it. And yet Kyrie Irving is getting half of his bajillion dollar salary just to sit home. That would not sit well with me. And some other news, Daniel Jones, I cannot believe this. Daniel Jones will be starting for the Giants on Sunday against the Rams. The injury reports are out, and he's listed as a, you know, he's a full participant. He's going to be playing. I mean, when I watched that hit, and I watched him stand up with, like, the spit coming out of his mouth, with the black dots from the turf in, in his on his lips, and he wasn't even wiping them off. I mean, he didn't know where he was. And then the stumble, which we all saw around the world, right, the stumble around the world, I, I, there, I didn't think there was any shot that he was going to be playing this weekend. But he will be. He will be starting Daniel Jones for the Giants on Sunday against the Rams. And I'm wondering how much of a leash that they're going to have on him. You know, if he's cleared, the 100% of the playbook should be open to him, etc. Already out, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, already out. And for the Jets, did you guys see this today? Zach Ertz was shipped from Philly to Arizona for a cornerback, a fifth-round pick, and a bag of chips. Where were the New York Jets? Can someone call one of the major market phone carriers to check? Is the Jets landline still connected down there in Florham Park? No Ertz, which, you know, Zach Ertz is not going to save this team now. But he could have. I mean, theoretically, I I wanted Zach Ertz for the Jets way back when in the offseason. And then there's no Mims trade? I don't know. It's just it's starting to make me think that the phone down there in Florham Park is, is off the hook or something. I don't know. And quickly on the Mets. The Mets should absolutely have already placed a call to St. Louis to speak with their manager, Mike Schilt, who was fired over the phone the other day. I don't know what day it was. Uh, whatever day it was. But he was fired over the phone. So the Mets should pick up the phone and dial the area code for St. Louis, 314 And get on the phone with Mike Schilt. Because I know how it feels to be fired over the phone. And it's a coward way to do it. And we'll talk with Mark Feinstein uh, a little later in the show. Just to get his take on what the philosophical difference of opinion was there in St. Louis. Between the team, the front office, and the manager. And then I think we can make a collective decision on the guy. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Alexa, play WFAN. Welcome back to Danielle in the drive time. Maybe you're still on your way home. I don't know. There's a ton of traffic out there. It took me, like, ridiculous. It's, like, more than double the time to get here before. And, you know, I, you know, I didn't include it. In the open, since it's not really New York sports related, but you know, I felt the need to make a comment or two about John Gruden and his fate. I mean, the words that he put in writing on a work email left the NFL, but no choice to can him, and probably for good. I mean, the thoughts 
and the words that offended multiple groups of people directly and then many more indirectly were gross. But what was more gross to me was the level of comfort that he was able to exchange those ideas with other NFL employees without being challenged by them. That, to me, shows complacency in upholding a toxic work environment. And what what was more gross to me was the fact that they only found, only leaked these emails of 650,000 of them because of the now closed investigation into the culture surrounding the team in Washington, D.C. So why can't that investigation be reopened at this point? There's clearly more information that needs to come out of it. So to John Gruden and others like him, because there will be others implicated alongside him, in my opinion, good riddance. And then this just in. Amazingly, the NFL found no other emails containing any of that stuff in the emails that John Gruden sent. Like that boggles my mind, actually, because who responded to the emails? Let's just start there. And it's a person familiar with the investigation as well as the emails told the Associated Press on Friday that the league did not identify other areas and other individuals that it has to contact at club leadership or club leadership levels. Huh? So I guess that guy or woman that he emailed, I guess, didn't answer him. Right? Come on, man. All right, let's go to the phones. 877-337-6666 is the number. Kevin in Camden and has regained the leadoff spot for now three shows in a row. Kevin, what is up? What's up, Coach? I got to talk about this Kyrie Irving thing because I have a lot to say about this, and I just hope I have enough time to say it. Go ahead. All right, Kyrie, you, you decided to come to Brooklyn. KD wanted to come here to Brooklyn to play with you. You you and KD recruited James Harden to play with you guys in Brooklyn, to come to Brooklyn. So you are letting them down by doing this. But that's not where my rank is going to be. Like, Coach, you said, and I I remember the beginning, how much did this man love to play basketball? Mm -hmm. Because I did my homework this week. Before the Instagram Live and all that, which I didn't, I didn't even bother to watch. I didn't know what the guy was going to say. I didn't watch that. Mm-hmm. But uh, his first year, he plays 20 games. He gets hurt. Fast forward to that. The league's about to restart with the bubble. He's telling players, oh, don't play because of whatever, whatever. That's one. Last year, he comes back after 10 months, 10 months off, and seven games in, oh, I need personal time. Yeah. Like, there's something just – and. Then, and this something just not right there. And then now with this, I really got to question how much this guy loves the game. Because I'll tell you what, it doesn't seem like he does to me. Me neither. He seems to be focused on, a, and you know, he's a very he's a very nice man. There's a lot of good things for Cherry. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not disparaging any of that. Mm-hmm. But the man does not seem to be focused on basketball. Yeah. And you know what? If you don't want to play, you know what? Then don't get get out on the other. Because if you want to play, get out. All right. You could do all your philanthropic, uh, whatever the word is. You could do all that stuff on your free time, but you are letting your team down. You're letting the fans down, and you're robbing the paying customer of the of, of seeing you play because you're a dang good player. But your heart is not in. And man. Kevin, guess what though? He doesn't care. Guess what? He doesn't, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He is better than you. He's better than me. He's better than everybody else, and he doesn't care. It's, 
I, I, you know, you're right. He doesn't. But you know what? I, I, and you know, even extension. And you know what? That's good because he's going to get to leave. And if he does play, God bless him. If he does, good for him. But you know what? The Nets absolutely did the right thing. And you know what? I'm not going to miss Kyrie. I, you know, I'm not going to miss him at all. He could play. He could be the greatest player in the world. But he, if I, I'm just speaking for me as a fan. If a guy doesn't want to play, I'm not going to – I don't like players like that. I want guys who play and represent my city and my team with heart. Yep. And you know what? He, he's not representing the team. So, you know what? Kyrie, you can do all your stuff, but you're not playing. So, good riddance. Good luck in your future. But that's pretty much it. But listen. Yeah, Kyrie, you know what? Listen, yeah, go ahead. No, finish, Kevin. Go ahead. But Kyrie, I just want to say, I hope you find your peace. And good luck with your future. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Kevin, bring the, oh, sorry about that. Bringing the fire tonight. But you know what, you guys, he, Kyrie Irving doesn't care about what I think, what you think. He is better than all of us combined. Everybody else in this world combined is still not better than Kyrie Irving. This is nothing about the vaccine. This is nothing about politics. This is a guy that has now left his team stranded for X, X amount of times. Okay? This is, this is, this is beyond. And he's getting the best of both worlds. I mean, we, Kevin and I, are questioning his his want and his desire to play a game of basketball. But isn't he getting the best of both worlds? He's getting to sit home and get paid half of his salary to not work. And we're not talking like, you know, a teacher's salary or, or a nurse's salary or a police, a New York City police officer's salary. We're talking an NBA player's salary, multi-million dollar salary, tens of millions of dollars of salary, and he's getting paid that to not play. And then last week I took it from the same perspective, and I'm going to do it again this week. Um, how do I say this? I, I, don't even know, I don't even know how to actually say this. Like, he's getting the best of both worlds, and then what do the Nets, the organization, have to show for it? Nothing. They don't get an extra roster spot. They don't get any more cap money. And he put the team and his teammates in a really, really bad position. Terrible, actually. Now, if he doesn't want to get the vaccine, that's fine. Then step away from, resign from basketball or something. Take your dollars off the books or request a trade to a city that doesn't have these mandates. It's as simple as that. And and, and the problem I have I mean, is with the mandate. Because let's be honest, if an unvaccinated player from a visiting team comes into New York, they're allowed to play at the Barclays Center. How does that make any sense? And the one thing that Kyrie Irving did say of of any sort of importance on that Instagram Live was, he is not retiring. He said he is not retiring. Okay. Jack in Morristown, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Of course, Jack. Uh, uh, great show. I just want to preface my comment by saying I'm double vaccinated and I'm good. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as the Kyrie Irving thing, I think Kyrie is being unfairly criticized and vilified, it seems like. And the reason why I say that is because there's a young player, his name escapes me, but he plays for the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. And he got vaccinated and he developed blood clots. And it's not even a story. Nobody yeah, but, mentioned okay, it. Okay, Jack, see, this, and, is, this is where I'm going to cut you off because this is not a science show. This is not sign class. I'm sure you had a good point, but again, maybe you're new to the show. We stick to sports here. That blood clot could have been caused by anything. It could have been the shot. It could have been anything. I don't care. I mean, not that I don't care. I'm saying, like, that doesn't have a spot here on this show. 
The fact of the matter is, and again, we're going to talk about this. The fact of the matter is, from a basketball standpoint, Kyrie Irving, yeah, maybe he might be unfairly criticized, but he's a superstar in the NBA. And the only reason why we're talking about it here is because he plays on a team here in New York. I'm sure you had a great point. But it's a stick-to-sports show. And for anybody that's thinking that they're going to call up and, and try the, that same route, I'm cutting you off just like I cut him off. This is a stick-to-sports show. And I, as a player in that locker room, would not be happy with my teammate, Kyrie Irving, because, because I would have to answer for him every single time I stepped in the microphone, every single time I was out in public, any time I got into an Uber, people will be asking me about it. And Kyrie Irving... Finally, the guy spoke up for himself, which we were advocating for last week, you and I, remember? He finally did it. And he didn't want it to get misconstrued by the media, me, because he's better than me. So he went on his own. Good for him. The guy should have stuck to his script because he, he, I, didn't, I didn't know what he was talking about. He wanted to be a voice for the voiceless. <laughs> okay. Then speak on it. Talk about it. Be part of your team. I don't know. I just It just rubs me the wrong way because I, I come from a background of I'm a teacher during the day. I, I taught all day today, and I hustled here to New York. I didn't even get changed, and I cannot think about these teachers that just want to do their jobs here in New York City and can't because of the same reason, and they are not getting paid. That's what frustrates me most. Justin in Deer Park, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? What's up, Justin? I have a question. I don't know if you heard. If you didn't, it's all right because I emailed you the article. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about the comment that Patrick Graham made criticizing his defense? I did not. I'm sorry. It's I, all right. I, I didn't get a chance to read the article. article. It's been a busy can I week. Can call an audible or something to ask you? Since I, can I call an audible? Sure, whatever. All right. What, what is, do you think it's smart the Giants are actually playing Daniel Jones this week following the concussion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Justin, and I know you're, you come from a medical background there with your father. Um, how do, see, I, that's a great question, and this is probably something that's going to kind of weave its way in through the, the, the rest of the show tonight. Um, the NFL has really strict, right? They should have really strict concussion protocol. You see the blue tent. He wasn't allowed to come back in the game. And then they, he has to go through a bunch of tests following that day, that hit, whatever. You would think, and these are independent doctors. These are not Giants team doctors forcing him out there, okay? But you would think that they would put him out there and he would be ready to go. No ill effects, no side effects. He practiced with pads this week, I guess two or three times this week with pads on. So, is it a smart decision to play him? Listen, if he her- cleared all of the hurdles necessary in order to be cleared by the league, then then he can play. I, I think I think that's the line in the sand. If there were any ill effects, then he should sit out. I just cannot believe a guy that got up looking like that is playing. Six days later, seven days, whatever, seven days later. I can't believe that. But what are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But the way he looked did not look good to me. 
And lo and behold, he'll be on the field. And is it a smart decision? If he was cleared, yes. And then the other part of that, the other piece of the puzzle is, if he was cleared, then there should be no holds barred on the playbook. Run the same offense that you would as if he were healthy, which which the league has deemed him as healthy. So that's how you're going to do it. I want to see him breaking off runs. Unless this is going to be one of those things where, you know, maybe out of a Bill Belichick playbook where they throw him out onto the field for a series or a couple handoffs and then they take him out. Maybe that's like a game planning strategy where he's a mobile quarterback and the backup quarterback is not. So maybe that's Joe Judge's way of saying like, okay, um, yeah, he's going to play. And really, he's going to play a snap, a series. I don't know. I don't know. The league has cleared him. He's playing. Scott in Dix Hills, New York. You're up on the fam. Yeah, hey, Daniel. How you doing? What's up, Scott? I'm good. How are you? So I think, good. I think we spoke last week. You had brought up the uh, the notion of a, an extended wild card series in baseball. And uh, you at about that time, you've also had about similar tolerance as you do right now for politics. So I'm not going there. Don't like do it. Don't do I, it. I, no, I, said, <laughs> I did it last week. I brought up percentages of teams in wild cards. We yeah. had a conversation. It went well. And we were talking about the Dodgers in particular last week, right, which uh, after what's gone down now even gives that much more credence to why that should be an extended wild card when they were taken to the brink in that, in that car, wild card game. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they've gone past. So, anyway, that's not why I called. I called to talk about Daniel Jones, which you were just referring to, mm-hmm. on that on that injury d- during that play. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard a lot on the radio about this, but there was a helmet to helmet hit. I cannot understand, and maybe you can explain why, at a minimum, there was no penalty flag on that play. My understanding is that there's no regard for intent. But it's solely whether it's helmet to helmet, and I, I'm just thinking if it was the other quarterback in the game on the opposition, mm-hmm. and God forbid the same hit occurred on Dak Prescott, right? Jerry Jones would have put down his gin and tonic, pushed a button, and all hell would have broke loose. I just, I just don't know how they didn't call a flag on that play. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say because I'm I'm watching it right now. I pulled it up on YouTube. It's like 50. I could tweet it if if anybody wants to see it. I think the flag was not called, and hear me out, because and I'm watching this in like freeze frame here, frame by frame. As Daniel Jones is running, I guess this is the five yard line. As he's running, he's running. He's the one who lowers his right shoulder and charges his head at the defender's head. I think that was inadvertent contact, inadvertent helmet to helmet, and I and I think that's why. I'm, I'm not saying it's right, but I think that's why it wasn't initially called on the field. So, if a quarterback or a running back initiates it, line of, 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 uh, uh, tries to score mm-hmm. and dives head first, and is met by the defender, therefore the offensive player initiating the head forward activity that means that there's no flag i mean i i thought intent and or initiation were not even an issue okay so here's the nflcommunications.com document pdf it says as approved by nfl 
It, it is a foul if a player lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. Contact does not have to be an opponent's head or neck area. Lowering the head and initiating contact to an opponent's torso, hips, or lower body is also a foul. So where I'm looking at the defender, he's not. He's not. He, he was kind okay. of caught off guard in a way. And that's how I see it. This can be interpreted many different ways, I'm sure. But the way I'm seeing it is he kind of pulled up, actually, number 14, pulled up and received the helmet-to-helmet contact, actually. I, I could tweet this okay. out so everybody could take a look at All this right. so everybody could see. I'm looking at, like, the first initial view of it doesn't show it too well, but if you guys fast forward, I'll copy the link um, to, to, to 26 seconds in, you'll see it. I got you. Thank you for that. I, I, I didn't notice that. Real, real quick, another question mm-hmm. on the NFL. Uh, years ago, if a player ran, ran out of bounds, the clock stopped. At some point a couple of years ago, there must have been a rule change because I'm noticing the clock's not always stopping when players are, go- are going out of bounds. Whether or not they're knocked out, run out by themselves, the clock continues to move. And I'm not sure what the rule is on that. And I've noticed that for a couple of years now, and I just don't have that locked in. You know what? I've not, I have not noticed that, but I will make a note to myself to look for that this Sunday. And, and I hope you, you'll call me back next week, all right? Oh, that'd be great. I look forward to it. All right, clocks. Great. Have a great night. All right, you too. Thank you. Clock stopping on run out of bounds okay got it i will take notice on that now but uh, so i just tweeted out the link at coach m-c-c-a-r-t-a-n and i also put it on facebook.com slash coach mccartan so that there it is if you fast forward to, to 26 seconds you'll see it and you can go, kind of go frame by frame as i just was but that's my best guess i'm not a referee and we get mike Pereira in here i don't know but that's my best guess and uh, i've got a question for you guys and maybe we can come back with this. Um, let's see. Let's do this. I want to put a poll up as well. So what say you guys, realistically, logically, and without emotion, complete this sentence? The Yankees should, it's multiple choice, Yankees should, A, clean house, B, boon gone, C, cashman gone, or D, stay the course. I'm going to type this up right now, post it on Twitter, and you guys go ahead, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, give me your vote, and give me your calls at 877-337-6666. Your official station to talk Brooklyn Nets. The Fan on 1019 FM and the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Danielle... In the dark? I don't, I don't know. I'm Daniel McCartan here with you on the fan till 11 p.m. Boston and Houston have gotten underway down there in Houston. Oh, man, we're going to talk about that coming up in a little bit. If you're a Yankee fan, especially like tonight, looking at this game right now, ALCS game one, if you're a Yankee fan, who are you rooting for? But we'll get into that in a second. Paul told me on the break that um, he said, hey, I don't know if you saw it, but this just in. And this is this is six minutes ago. Arizona Cardinals, Coach Kingsbury, quarterback coach Cam Turner, and defensive tackle Zach Allen will miss Sunday's game at Cleveland after testing positive for COVID-19. They are uh, moving up Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, and assistant head coach, special teams coordinator Jeff Rogers. They're going to split 
head coaching responsibilities and then kind of just disperse everything else. So again, Cliff, this is like new news, but six minutes ago, Kingsbury, quarterback coach Cam Turner and defensive tackle Zach Allen will miss Sunday's game at Cleveland after testing positive for COVID-19. Paul Rosenberg, good find on that. And maybe you guys, that, that's the Cleveland Browns. We've got the, the 5-0 and Cardinals at the 3-2 and Browns. Maybe you want to have that in mind when you set your lineups, when you pick your, your survivor pool picks. I don't know. that That's a big thing. That's a big thing. And then I've got I've got a poll simultaneously up on my own Twitter here asking, I read the question, the Yankees should, very simply, A, clean house, B, Boone only, gone, C, Cashman only, gone, or D, stay the course. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And if I could vote right now in my own poll about the Yankees, I would choose the option clean house. I mean, one can't go without the other. If the Yankees did not decide to re-up Boone, but allowed Cashman to pick the next manager, only to part with him, maybe he's got one, Cashman has one year left on his deal, only to part with him at that point, what's the point? I would vote clean house, absolutely. I mean, the construction of this team is gross, and it's unlike any of the teams still in play. And with that said, if Brian Cashman, again, were to say the words that I want to hear, now we're talking. And those words would be, I am sorry for the product that I put on the field over the last couple seasons. I've realized that we need to get faster, place more emphasis on starting pitching, and bring in situational hitters to complement our big bats. And if Brian Cashman were to say that he's got a plan in place to do that moving forward, including handing the team to a new manager with a fresh set of eyes and one that will blend gut decisions with analytics, only then... Would I be content with keeping Brian Cashman? I am not optimistic in the least, which is why I would choose in my own poll, clean house. It, it's not going to happen, though. All signs signs are pointing towards a re-up for, for Aaron Boone. Um, I got somebody in my, my DMs, a very trusted source, is basically telling me just that. But the fact that the Yankees haven't made a declaration either way just yet gives me and others like me and, and the 68 67.5% of you guys that voted clean house in my poll, just a, a little bit of hope. So I've got a lot of responses here. I didn't get a chance to go through them yet. Sometimes I look and sometimes they have like profanity in them. So obviously I can't um, uh, read them live on the air. So I'll, I'll, look, I'll comb through them. But if you wanted to vote at coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N uh, polls up for another 10 minutes. I love the short polls. It gets you the answer right away. So there you go. Clean house is winning followed by stay the course. And then very minimally, either one of the two of them alone, gone. So there we go. All right, let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Sorry. Uh, Lawrence in Austin, Texas is calling us back. How are you, Lawrence? Hey, nice to talk to you again. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I was just driving up to Oklahoma. Um so last time I talked to you, uh, we were talking about the Giants head coach, Joe Judge, and how come Daniel Jones hadn't played any preseason snaps. Yes. And uh, I think that that was a good point to, to start my conversation tonight. Like, you listen to the guy when he does his press conferences, I think he, like, is just tone deaf to, to everything. Like, you, in a moment when this is going on and you're the head coach of the Giants, you say, where are we at in the season? Do we have a chance at playoffs? What's in our best interest, you know? 
And, and your best interest is to protect Daniel Jones. You're mm-hmm. one in four. I don't care about analytics. You're not making the playoffs. And you're going to trot the guy out there who's going to get cracked by Aaron Donald. Yeah, that's the it's, problem. It's, it's, it's disgusting. I don't care about Joe Judge. He's tone deaf and he's got to go. It's, uh, protect Daniel Jones. He's going to get cracked, Daniel. He's going to get hurt. Yeah. Well, well, Lawrence, the one thing I would say is the NFL cleared him. He, he's, a cor- in the NFL's eyes, ready to play. He, he's able to play at 100%. Who can really trust management and leadership? You know what I mean. Nowadays, you have to you have to look out for yourself at a certain point, and, and the and the closer people around you. Like I don't trust politicians. You know what I mean. And if I'm in the quarterback, I'm not looking at like oh the NFL higher ups. Like oh yeah, they got my best interests at heart. Well, Lawrence, you, know you bring I mean? you bring up a good point there. He's a young quarterback. He he's he's obviously feeling the pressure of wanting to have to prove himself. Right? He wants to get out there. He wants to compete, even if he's not a hundred percent. He wants to do it. You know. But at some yeah. point, like. As a player, as an athlete, you, you kind of have to take a look at the situation. And I know he's a young kid, I, I you know what I mean? But sometimes you have to look at the situation as a player and, and advocate for yourself and say, like, hey, I'm actually not feeling really good this morning. I woke up with a headache. And that's how you get out of it. Or my vision was blurry not, this morning. And if, and if you're, if you're not going to do that as a player, maybe Daniel Jones is saying, hey, I want to play. The head coach always has the ability to say, hey, I understand that you're young. You want to go get it, yeah. you know. You're here for this team, and we understand that because we saw you go into the end zone and get your head cracked the first time. Right. But this game, just take a seat. Just take a seat. The season's a wrap, but we need to get you healthy, and we're going to get right. Don't worry, but but I'm looking out for you. And I don't feel like Joe Judge is going to be looking out for Daniel Jones if he's not going to make the right move and put him on the bench. Play Glennon. Yeah, and Lawrence, excellent points there. Good job. But I'm I'm also thinking, too, like like Judge is looking out for himself, too. He's feeling a little heat, right? Everybody's calling up and, and feeling throwing a little fire on the flame there with him, too. So I'm wondering... Listen, Daniel Jones passed the protocol. I mean, this is the, this is the company line, right? Daniel Jones passed the protocol from the independent doctors. The NFL has cleared him to play. He's going to play. That's the company line. Now, if Daniel Jones doesn't feel comfortable in playing, he needs to be able to 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 advocate for himself and say, "Hey, like, listen, like, I'm not feeling a hundred percent. I don't want to get my head ripped off by Donald. I don't feel like doing it." Because at that, because and then you think about. The, the, I was thinking about this the other day. I was driving. I do a lot of driving. I, I was thinking about I don't know what week it was. The end of the season when there was when there was the hamstring injury, right? And then he was I believe he was allowed to play the next week, and then it got worse, right? If, if I'm rem- remembering that correctly. So I'm wondering, like, obviously Daniel Jones is going to go out there. The guy's a competitor. The kid's a competitor. The head coach didn't go to bat for him then. And that's not, like, a hard line of, like, the league cleared him. You know what I'm saying? The league cleared him now. Do I agree with it? I mean, if the league cleared him, he should play. But again, if he's not 100%, then he needs to advocate for himself. Because no one, you know, no one is inside of his head other than him. And, you know, maybe the Giants pull one off. I know some of you guys just left. But crazier things have happened, right? Maybe the Giants pull one off. Who knows? And they're going to need their court, their starting star quarterback to do so. And po- potentially their franchise quarterback to do so. And with that, just now, the Astros have taken a one nothing lead over the Boston Red Sox on a sack fly. Oh, how many of those happened uh, with the Yankees? More, I think, with the Mets than the Yankees. But but how many of those happened with the Yankees if they wanted to be playing in this game right now? They scored a runner from third on a sack fly. There you go.
Let's go, Jason. In the, in the order that you guys called, of course, Jason in Connecticut, you're up next on the fan. Hey, I really appreciate your perspective. Um, I have just a couple points. I'll try to be brief. Sure. I was at the Giants-Cowboys game on Sunday, um, and it's pretty amazing thinking that they got they let Jalen Smith go, and uh, Jabril Cox doesn't read that play, you know, pre-snap, and he closes. The, the most impressive thing on that play, I know, I know it's unfortunate that Daniel Jones got a concussion, mm-hmm. but if you look how fast Jabril Cox was on that play and how he closed the gap. Um, That was very impressive. But I'm actually going to tie that to my second point, which involves the Yankees. Um, And I want to get your opinion on this. And I also have mad respect for the fact that you are a high school or a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, I just have a lot of respect for that. (laughs) As a former high school teacher myself. So um, I think it's hard for organizations Organizations will be willing to look at themselves in the mirror, but I don't think organizations are always willing to say we made a mistake. And my question to you Mm -hmm. is, um, if the Yankees don't move on from Aaron Boone or, well, more Aaron Boone than anything else, is it because they're not willing to say we made a mistake? What would be the reasons for staying the course? Hmm. And I'm going to have to put on my my other differing perspective here. What would be the reasons for staying the course? Uh, I guess they could point to the fact that they've made the postseason, you know, X amount of times out of the last X amount of years, which is which is true. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know because because I'm on the other side of the fence. I, I guess that's what they can point to. Like, hey, we're competitive every single year. How many other teams have been as competitive as us over these next, you know, these last couple years? I, I guess that's what they would be rationalizing it with, I think. Do you think it's hard to say, hey, we made a mistake and we're ready, you know, we're ready for a, a change? I think so. I, I think it is. And I'm actually going to ask Mark Feinstein this uh, at 1020 tonight if you're, if you're still listening. But I think so because Brian Cashman has been around that organization for, I think I heard, 35 years, you know, in, in some wow. sort of capacity. So it's almost like you're firing family. You know, but sometimes sure. you just have to you have to rip the bandaid off and fire the family for the betterment of, of your organization. So I think it's a very tough thing. And it's not a position that I would be envious of, of, of the Steinbrenners to have to make. But, I mean, it, again, a G- general manager of the New York Yankees is not like a Supreme Court justice where they, they you know, they're, they're it for life. You know what I'm saying? Yes. He hasn't been appointed for Enjoy life. Enjoy the show. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that, Jason. And the Devils just, by the way, took a 2-1 lead just now. But I'm just saying that being appointed general manager of the New York Yankees is is unlike being appointed a Supreme Court justice. There needs to be an end. Rip the Band-Aid off. He's got one year left on his deal. Maybe they give him both a one-year deal each and then clean house. I don't know. But I think just why, why delay the inevitable? You know, why let the general manager make more decisions? If you're not planning on keeping him around any longer. I, I don't know. That, that's just me. The Yankees are going to keep both of them. That's my gut feeling is that the Yankees are going to keep both. My brain is telling me they shouldn't, but my gut is telling me that they will. Herein lies the difference. So uh, let's do, hmm, what should we do next? The social media trend. 
No, let's do this. I'm going to throw up two more polls, polls here uh, with the Astros taking the lead. I want to uh, online. I want you guys to identify yourself as a Yankee or a Met fan, and then you ask yourself of the four teams remaining, who are you rooting for to win the World Series? Is it the Red Sox, the Astros, the Braves, or the Dodgers? You can give me a call with your choice. And obviously, you guys on hold, you can hang there, too. I got you guys. Um, and your rationale. Choice and rationale. The Yankees and Mets fans guide to baseball's championship series. Coming up next, and get your votes in. I'm, I'm typing it right now. Get your votes in at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. Dave Matthews band for you on this Friday night here from Lower Manhattan. I'm Danielle McCartan with you guys till 11 p.m. here on The Fan in New York City. All right, I put a couple polls up. You guys are very much interactive on Twitter and on the phones. Uh, what the Yankees should do, by the way, the, the landslide winner was Clean House. I did put up two right before the break. <laughs> I got just got a tweet 18 seconds ago from Mike Dolce, and he says, I hope they all lose. <laughs> That's not possible. The questions I was asking were two separate. Yankees fans, I gave you guys a poll. Mets fans, I gave you guys a poll. I'll put up the Yankee ones first. Yankee fans, who are you rooting for to win the World Series? Yeah, 43% of you guys at this very moment are saying the Atlanta Braves. Mets fans, at this very moment... Mets fans, majority of them, are rooting for the Boston Red Sox. That's kind of what I figured. And there are uh, about 15 to 20 minutes left on each of those polls. So at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. You know, I gave the Yankees and the Mets the taps treatment with my trumpet right here in studio. It's not a good thing, though. I, I didn't want to bring it because that means both of their seasons came to an end and that I've sent them off t- to the offseason in style. Um, obviously, there are four teams remaining right now. At the top of this, in the top of the second inning, uh, Houston is leading the the Boston Red Sox one nothing, one nothing. Um, so who are you rooting for? The Yankee and Met fan, the New York Baseball Fans Guide to rooting in the championship series and in the World Series. So here's kind of my rationale that I came up with: If I'm a Yankee fan, I'm definitely not rooting for the teams in the AL that have been named as proven cheaters. Not the Red Sox, and definitely not the Astros. So if I'm a Yankee fan, I then look at the Braves, and then I look at the Dodgers. Well, you know, there's that rivalry between the Yankees and the Dodgers dating back to the days that the Dodgers were in Brooklyn. So I guess by process of elimination, I think Yankee fans would be rooting for the Braves to win the World Series this season. Now, I could be wrong. You guys can maybe correct me in that poll. But as I look right this second, uh, let's see. Yankee fans are rooting for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And then if I'm a Met fan, if I'm a Met fan, I'm definitely not rooting for the division rival Braves who really rebuilt themselves at the trade deadline like my team should have. If I'm a Met fan, I don't think I'd be rooting for the Dodgers on the grounds that they're an NL team. And if I'm a Met fan, I don't think I'd be rooting for the cheating Astros since that impacted all of baseball not just any one particular game or or league. And if I'm a Yankee hater, if I were a Met fan, I guess I'd be rooting for the Red Sox. Again, let's go back to the poll. Yeah, the Red Sox are still ahead. So I think I got a good pulse to the people, shall we say. Who are you rooting for, provided that you're still actually watching baseball? I'll be honest, I've fallen off a little bit. 
I'm watching the baseball, to be honest. But I guess me personally, of of all the four teams remaining, I think because a friend, how do I say it? One of my friends, I don't want to give it up here. One of my friends has a very personal connection to the Dodgers. Let's just put it that way. One of my friends has a very personal connection to the Dodgers. And for that reason, I'm rooting for the Dodgers. And that reason only, really. <laughs> and, and and I think that that is the model the Yankees should follow by blowing past that that luxury tax threshold and going after it, just like the Dodgers have. Okay, anyway, back to the phones. 877-337-6666. John in Oxford, Connecticut, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, thanks for taking the call, Danielle. Yeah, of course, John. What do you have for me tonight? Hey, listen, on the whole um, Kyrie Irving thing. Yeah. Um. Did you ever say you respected his decision? Yes, I have, actually. I respect his decision, except... I hate the fact that you said that. But I have to tell you, I give no respect to a stupid decision. I don't know why anybody would respect that decision. Because... I'm vaccinated. I had to be vaccinated. Many people have to be vaccinated. Me too. I'm a New Jersey public teacher, a public school teacher. I had to be as well. There's no reason to respect that decision. This is a selfish individual who, I will tell you, he's a flake. I mean, are we going to deny Kyrie he is a flake. is a flake? We talked about it. He, he has excuse after excuse after excuse as to not take the court. True. Absolutely. So, I mean, the thing is, I don't bend over backwards to give this guy any respect on his decision. And I don't think his decision was terribly hard. I don't. I think he's making a mountain out of a molehill, and I hate the fact when people dignify this position with respect because it doesn't deserve it. No, it's different than that, John. It's it's a little different for me because, listen, his body, his choice. That's it. That's how it is. His body, his choice, whether he wants to do it or not. But his choice then has consequences. So the consequence of him not going out and not getting a vaccine, the consequence is that he can no longer play basketball in the city of New York. And take it. And the Nets, I'm so shocked, took it one step farther, and they said, well, if you can't play in New York, we don't want you playing at all. So you have to respect the decision that he made for himself. Like, like Nate Solder made the decision to, to not play in the NFL uh, during that COVID season because he's got a, a son that's very sick at home. You respect the decision. You do. You do respect the decision. But you, you don't. what I don't respect is the fact that he's making his teammates, you know, pick up the slack for him in every which way. He's making this, like you said, a mountain into a molehill or whatever that expression is. I can never get these freaking expressions right. But he's making this into a bigger deal than it has to be. He is. And that's that's the part that, that, that has turned this into a circus. Everybody from a professional level, is happy. Like, the Yes Network team, they're, not that they're happy, but that, that it's been resolved. That the Nets stepped in, and now there's no more speculation on the broadcast. I mean, can you imagine having to speculate on the broadcast every single time? Like, hey, we talked with uh, with Nash, Coach Nash, before the game today, and here's what he said about that. I mean, it's, it's just, it's exhausting. That's the part that I don't respect. You're not going to do it. Done. Be done with it. You are going to do it. Welcome back to the team. But as a personal decision, you, you kind of have to respect the decision. You do. I, I know. I, I listen. I'm not saying. What, I'm not telling you what to do. Anybody. 
But I'm saying that I respect the decision, his body, his choice. But then there are consequences. That's the part. That's what we're talking about here. What is going to happen to the Nets moving forward? I mean, Las Vegas seems to think that they're still going to win the championship, which they have the best odds to do so. So, And then tomorrow night, we're going to get really into this, not about Kyrie, about the team perspective now. Can, can we please move past Kyrie Irving and, and focus on the team perspective? Because who knows what's going on with that team besides that? Like, how how is Joe Harris uh, overcoming the fact that he, he tossed bricks at the end of that season? He couldn't put the team on his back from the three-point line. H- has he improved? What has he been? None of that has been answered, right? No one's—I shouldn't say that. No one has been talking about that because everyone wants to talk about Kyrie Irving. Guess what? Las Vegas isn't missing him in, in their odds predictions. And as far as I'm concerned, my vote, trade him. Tomorrow night, I'll be back on the fan, and I think— at 10.40, I think it is, I'm going to have on Alex Schiffer, who is the Nets beat repri- reporter for um, The Athletic NYC and The Athletic NBA. He's going to be on, and I hope you guys are, will join us back for that because he's going to have a great perspective, I'm sure, on, on what's going on over there in Brooklyn beyond Kyrie Irving and his decision not to play basketball for the Nets. Um, Well, I guess it wasn't his decision, but his decision not to get the shot, which then in turn impacted his ability to play for the Nets, both... um at home and away games. So Alex Schiffer will be up tomorrow night with us around 1040. I got to check my notes on that, but around 1040 in the 10 o'clock hour, we'll put it that way. Is it Erica on the update still? Who do we have now? Bob Usler has an update for you guys coming right up. Be part of the show. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Throw a little Biggie Smalls in here for you guys. That's Paul Rosenberg behind the glass. And on the ones and twos, he is taking your calls. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. And, and while I've got you guys, and while the Devils are on the TV, I'm literally watching the game right now as we speak. Um, you know, I signed up for a, uh, a 5K. Maybe you guys, maybe you're a new set of ears tuned into the show for the first time, but... I signed up for a 5K with the Devils, the New Jersey Devils, called uh, Running with the Devils. You know, like the song, I guess, is what they were going for. Um, yeah, I've been doing a little running. Last week, I did absolutely no running. I had a concert on Tuesday night. Uh, it's, it was just something literally every single day, and I did no running last week, so I'm a little bit behind. I know. Listen, I'm not trying to break any world records here. I'm just trying to do this for charity. You guys can help. Um, I'm looking for the link. Where is it? How to send this view. So I'm looking at the, the portal here. I'm about to tweet out a link. Here it is. Okay, let's uh, share to Twitter. Okay, so here it is. Uh, my fundraising page for the New Jersey Devils. 5K, I'm typing this now. My, my fundraising page. Okay, so if you guys are listening, uh, if you go to Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, it's there. And I'm about to put it up on Facebook as well. But basically, um, this link, it, it's not a GoFundMe or anything. It, it's its literally through the RWJ Barnabas Health website. They set it up. 100% of the funds are going directly to the hospital's emergency fund, directly to um, the 35,000 healthcare heroes that work there. That means 0% to me. 
and zero percent to any middleman that owns the website because you know GoFundMe does take out um it, it so it's not that it's literally through their website and I, I'm asking for you guys to just help me I'll, I'll be doing the running all you have to do is, is is donate and no donation is too small and I know people say that all the time but literally no donation is too small. It really is the truth, and and if you can't, if you're in a you know if you're in a spot, or if you want to donate and share, it, go ahead and do that. Um, if you're on Facebook, I just posted it, uh, Facebook.com/slash/CoachMcCartan. Just click the button share. It's free to do, and just to spread the word a little bit. And then on Twitter, you can just click retweet. You don't even have to put a little comment; just hit retweet. So since the last time you and I have talked, I've gotten donations from Margaret Getz, anonymous. So thank you, whoever you are, anonymous. Frankie Lordy. Michael Morshuk and Mike Pericelli. And uh, we are up to now, we together have raised, because I've donated two, we have together raised $526. Great. That's awesome. So I have to run this by the 24th. So I got to get my schedule in order, I guess, for this upcoming week, check the weather and stuff. But I'm going to try to make it as interactive as possible. Um, Maybe do a, a little... Twitter Live or whatever fr- from from my path, I guess. <laughs> I'm doing it virtually, I think. Um, David Deal's trying to talk me into doing it uh, in person, so maybe, maybe, but I just, I just gotta say. Um, so because of you guys, we've eclipsed our second goal of five hundred dollars, and we are now shooting for seven hundred and fifty dollars. You guys are great. Let's do this, and let's give back to the selfless essential healthcare workers, and let's do it with my five k, and in partnership with the New Jersey Devils, who are defeating or not defeating, or who are beating Chicago Blackhawks two to one right now at the Rock. Hey. If the Devils hang on to win this game, they're going to be the first of our three teams in our area to win a hockey game this season. Go figure. All right, back to the calls. 877-337-6666 is the phone number. Pete in Long Island, you're up on the fan. Hey, Coach. Love you. And I was calling about the Yankees. Sure. One comment about Kyrie. Yeah. He also believes the earth may be flat. Well, that's, you know, that's so funny because we were talking about this, uh, was it yesterday at lunch? I eat lunch with two science teachers, actually. Um, and uh, I mentioned it, and the one teacher, she's not into sports at all. And she was like, oh, my God, that day that he made those comments, that very next day, we did a whole lesson with those kids about how the earth is not actually flat. I gave them you know, you know, research after research and research to prove that. So that's my little tie-in, she said. So that's funny that you bring that up. So the point is, there's a guy who says he's doing his research on the vaccine. And he can't even believe the Earth is round. Yeah, that's troubling. Yeah, like that—that just—that's a pattern of yeah. someone who doesn't know what he's talking about. So yeah. that's why I, I cannot respect his decision. And also, we're all in this together. We're taking—if no one took the vaccine, we'd yeah. still be back, you know, in last March, March of 2020. Yeah. So some taking the vaccine to make it better for everyone, and some people are free riding on that. And that's yeah, kind I of get the it. problem. My Yankee point. The Yankees, outside of that 13-game winning streak this year, were unwatchable. Yes. The most boring baseball I've ever seen in my life. And then did you see the lineup that they brought to Boston? You had Velasquez, you had Gallo, you had Gardner, Higashioka, four automatic outs in the lineup in a, in a, in a, in a, in a winner-take-all game. Uh, I'll, I'll disagree with you on uh, Higashioka. I'll disagree with you on that. But at that point in time, the rest of them, yes, you're right. But he batted like 200 this year, though. Yeah, but he's a better... I think his approach is better. I I think he can run into one at a better clip than a guy like Gary Sanchez can. 
I just think he's but, I, I think he's a more reliable hitter than Gary Sanchez is, in my opinion. You know what? You're probably right, but he got to hit two out of every ten times he went to the plate. Well, right, but but the national, the, I mean, the Major League Baseball's average uh, collectively, I think, was like two, two something. So that's the league average, two something. Right, and and the fact is, then off the bench, the two pinch hitters they brought in were Sanchez and Odor. Yeah, this team was poorly, poorly put together. Yes, and so I, I disagree with disagree with you on the Kyrie point. One thousand percent agree with you. Cashman, unfortunately has to go. Yeah. Well, that's because the thing. This is his, his fingerprints are all over this team, and it was not ready for prime time. Yes, and and when you look at how that team is constructed, as I just watched a Boston Red Sox home run, they are tied 1-1 right now. Um, as you look at that team, and you look at any of these teams playing, like they have guys that, that hit for average, hit situationally, and then you get you come you that's complemented by the big boppers in, in the lineup like Kike Hernandez who just hit this home run. These teams are constructed like that, and the Yankees. If, if you sometimes I look at this and I look at like okay, if the Yankees are playing the, the Astros right now, would they be able to beat them? No, I don't think it's. I don't even think it's close. Not even close. Not even close. And Joey Gallo is like the perfect example of what of the problems of baseball. The entire the entire opposing team is on the right-hand side of the field, and he's trying to hit through it. But not only that, the, the entire opposing defense is in the out. There's four outfielders. Literally, there are four people playing the outfield when he's up at bat. Right. Right. So this is the team that he constructed. Even Rizzo. Do you know how many um, RBIs Rizzo had this year in almost a full season? 60. 60. Yeah. And this is the guy you might want to sign? Well, and he, he played like 140 games. He had 60 RBIs. That's not who I want at first base. I'd rather have... Uh, I'd rather have um, Boyd. I don't know about that. Because here's the other thing, too. You have to consider also this ridiculousness of putting these hitters at the top of the order. Why is Rizzo not batting down in the order when there are guys that can get on base in front of him? Why are they batting Aaron Judge second? I mean, I understand that they wanted him to get more at-bats and et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you have to also take that into consideration, too. Like, these guys are coming up to bat, and there's nobody on base. How many times do I have to watch Aaron Judge hit a solo home run? It's enough of that. Oh. The coach, there were only five guys in that lineup who were going to get on base in that game. Yeah. Well, they that's had four automatic outs. Yep. So, of course, you have to put, they, they were just trying to be creative. Yep. I mean, honestly, I don't like Rizzo, but batting Rizzo first was not a terrible idea when you have four automatic outs in, 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 in the lineup. It's almost like I'm thinking about like like Little League. Sorry, everybody, but thinking about like Little League when you have like the, the, the worst kids at the bottom of the order and it's just like, all right, let's just get back to the top of the order. You know what I mean? It's one, it's one of those kind of things. That is the perfect example. That's what they tried to do in a winner-take-all wild card game. Yeah, and your your analogy is eight-year-old. That's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> right, Pete. Thanks for the call there. And again, that goes back to the like he said, like Pete said too, the construction of the team. You fire Boone, replace him with me or you or or Paul Rosenberg behind the glass here tonight. Any of us can manage that team because we are basically told what to do. I think that is the the narrative out there, right? It doesn't matter who, if it's Boone, if it's whoever. It doesn't matter. It's the construction of this team and the philosophy, even bigger, the philosophy of this team that they have bought so heavily into this analytics, which is, listen, I love analytics. I do. But I, I also know how to manage a game from, from the gut. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton is on a whatever it was at, at one point this season. What was it, 10-game hitting streak? Let me just round it off. 10-game hitting streak. He gets benched. He gets put on the bench. Like, why would you do that? Why would you put a hot hitter on the bench? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. 
that see that doesn't make sense to me. I I would put him back in the lineup and, and damn the analytics at that point. So it's a whole philosophical shift that needs to happen within the Bronx in Yankee Land. And unless you clean house, which is what you guys voted in my poll on Twitter, then it's just going to be perpetuated. It's just going to be the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. It's just going to be the merry-go-round. And it's very frustrating. Extremely frustrating. Because, again, you can point to, oh, well, the Yankees are a perennial they're a perennial postseason team. Yeah, but is that the goal? If that's your goal, that's fine. Good for you. But I know that's not my goal when I go out and, and, and play if I'm a player. I don't, I don't want to just make the playoffs. I want to win the World Series. And the Yankees are not good enough, and it, clearly they were not good enough to even even get in, get into the dance. Because I don't consider I consider that game 163. Technically, it's the postseason, I know, but I don't consider it that. Let's go, Joe in Colonia. You're up next on the fan. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Of course, thanks for making it. Uh, I I want to say this. I, I I don't agree with the analytics at all. Mm-hmm. And what I would love to have seen after the All Star break, the Yankees tell Aaron Boone, manage the team. Let's see what you could do. You make the calls. And I would have loved to have seen that. And I know it will never happen. Yeah. And and I agree with you on the one thing. If Boone, if Cashman goes, Boone's got to go. If Boone goes, Cashman's got to go. Yes, they are a package deal. Exactly. But the only thing is, no matter who you bring in, you know, unfortunately, Billy Martin passed away. There's no more uh, Lou Pinellas and you know, any of those guys anymore because they don't exist because they're going to have to follow the analytics. Right. Mm-hmm. But maybe analytics doesn't work for every team. Well, and also, and too— hang up it, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, maybe it's not an ageism thing either. Like, maybe there are older guys that do believe in analytics, and maybe there are younger guys or girls that, that don't. And, sure. So, I, you know, I don't want to separate it by age, really. No, I, I and uh, uh, Russa over in the White Sox, he seemed to adjust to it. Yeah. But I, was, I would like to know how much did they give him, like, okay, if you feel – that something has to be done besides analytics, mm-hmm. you can do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, like I said, I agree with you 100%. Boone goes, Cashman goes, Cashman goes, Boone goes. Star- I don't think any Yankee should be safe. Judge or any of them should be safe. If you could get someone for Judge, get someone for Judge. Yeah, and I know if, if it were the Rays, I think they probably would do that. And I think... It's short. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and look where they ended up. Yeah, you know, and then the Yankees went are kind of going downward spiral in the past three years. On how far they got into the playoffs, if you understand what I'm saying. No, I don't exactly. Well, this year they got eliminated the wild card game. Against, yeah, uh, Boston uh-huh. year before what they get in. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it's kind of been like a fall from grace, in other words, from the ALCS in 20, whatever that was, 17, 18. I see what you're saying. Right. So now what happens next year? Will they be happy with second place? Mm. You know, Maybe. I don't know. I think there's got to be a lot of changes done. Yeah. And, you know, it, it starts at the top, you know, Joe, and thanks for the call. It starts literally at the top with the owner and how he wants to proceed. The fact that 
he or anybody from the Yankees, you know, Randy Levine, nobody has come out and, and gave Cashman or Boone a vote of confidence, gives me a glimmer of hope to say, like, okay, maybe they won't be back as a shoo-in as, as everybody thinks they will be. Maybe not. But then again, I've got this really credible source in my DM saying they'll both be back. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. Let's go. We have about, yeah, we have some time. Richard in Brooklyn, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. What's up, Richard? Here's, here's my question for if Kyrie Irving was to play basketball as somebody who hasn't received a shot mm-hmm. and another player who has received a shot, mm-hmm. both of them are susceptible and will get sick from the virus. This, is, this isn't going down in the science route here. This is going to be a basketball point, right? Yeah, there'll be a basketball point. Okay, can we get and to it then, then? And then they both transmit it. So why is Kyrie prevented from playing basketball? That's a question, Richard, that you're going to have to direct to the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio. Unfortunately, I don't have a phone number for him, um, and we can't get him on the show. So Bill de Blasio, if you are listening, you can give us a call. We have some questions for you. And I think it's a fair point. And I also think it's a fair point to ask you, Bill de Blasio, mayor, Mr. Mayor, why is it that opposing teams with unvaccinated players can play in New York, whereas the home team player cannot? That is unvaccinated, cannot. Uh, all great questions. I'm not the mayor. I didn't write the policy. And I had no opportunity to interview the mayor to ask him about the policy. So that's the best answer I can give you. I don't know. Malik in New Haven, you're up on the fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, Malik, can you just turn the radio down a little bit in the background? I can't really hear you. Okay, you, do you hear me now? Yeah, that's much better. Go ahead. Okay, you, you were talking about Kyrie, right? And science. And you talked about the flat earth. Is the flat earth science? You hear the echo, Malik? You hear the echo? I, I can't really hear you. I'll give you one more chance. If you could turn it, turn it down and start that over. Okay, you were talking about Kyrie Irving yes. and science. Yes. Is the flat earth a science question? <laughs> the caller brought that up, and the flat earth is a science question, yes. Then why did you go down that road, but you didn't want to talk about the blood clots from the vaccination? Because we have not, we have not proven that blood clots in that particular case was caused by vaccination. We have hundreds and of years of, of research that indicates that the earth is round. That's why. Listen, you guys, stop with the science stuff. It's not going to fly on this show. Let's talk about Kyrie Irving and the fact that he, he is is outing his team of tens of millions of dollars and that there is a vacant uh, roster spot on that team because he's not going to be there. That's it. I'm taking no calls about science. Uh, I, I'm taking no calls about politics. That's it. This is a stick to sports show. And if you guys can't internalize that, this is like a reading comprehension thing right now. If you guys can't comprehend, uh, listening comprehension, I should say, if you guys can't comprehend what I'm saying to you, then I'm just going to keep cutting you off. And I don't like cutting callers off. You that listen know that. But the caller brought up the flatter thing that has been proven and proven and proven and proven and proven. And this is a new vaccine. It's a new novel virus. And that's it. I I haven't read the case studies. I I don't see this... If you really want to know this this kind of stuff, I like to read the case studies. I like to read the original 
documents. I don't like to listen to what Fox News tells me, what CNN tells me. I don't like that. There's a bias in all of those stations, no matter if they say it or not. So I will do my own research. And guess what? I don't even have time to read an article that that Justin in Deer Park sent me uh, last Sunday. So that's it. That's where this conversation is going to stop. This is not about the vaccine. This is not about Kyrie, you know, politics. This is about Kyrie Irving not being able to play for the Nets. And we are moving on to a Nets perspective of how this impacts the team moving forward. Because as a teammate, a potential teammate of his, if I were a teammate of his, I would be fed up beyond belief with what's, what's going on around, in and around the organization from a basketball standpoint. And I think the ownership put their foot down and, and did it in the right way. Now, the final thing is, the final piece of that puzzle is, why is he still getting paid not to work, whereas the teachers and the healthcare workers in this city and others, if they can't work, they're not getting paid. That, I think, is not fair. But, hey, that's a political argument. And Bill de Blasio, if you're listening, give us a call. And you guys also, too. 877-337-6666. I'll take more of your calls. Uh, Let's see. Let's just see where this goes. Okay, 877-337-6666. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey Siri, play WFAN. Welcome back to Danielle. In the dark, I guess, I'm in the Boomer and Geo studio. There are no windows in here, so I assume it's dark now. It's 9.28 p.m. We are rolling till 11 p.m. We've got some Sum 41. We've got, we've got the whole spectrum tonight. I love it. Let's do country. Next one's going to be country. Yes. Okay. Um, so uh, I, I'm checking in. The, the polls closed, by the way, on the break. Yankees fans, who are you rooting for to win the World Series? Uh, the majority of you guys are voting the Atlanta Braves or have voted the Atlanta Braves, 50% of the votes. And then the Dodgers were at 20. They're not a close second. It, what was confusing to me, not confusing, but the Boston Red Sox and the Dodgers almost tied for second place. Really? Yankee fans? Really? And then the Mets fans, who are you rooting for to win the World Series? Almost the landslide vote here was the Boston Red Sox. So, all right, let me close those up. Nice, Some nice comments along with that. Um, and by the way, we got a donation uh, for the Running with the Devils fundraiser. And that is from, I never know if it's Gelman or Gelman, but Ken Gelman made a, a donation. So thank you, Ken. And so did Jim Darkangelo, and he also made a donation. So if you guys would like to make a donation to my 5K run with the New Jersey Devils to benefit the healthcare heroes at RWJ Barnabas um, Health, uh, the the link is on Twitter and it's on Facebook as well. So thank you to you two guys. Appreciate it. And uh, and I'm sure they will too. And uh, I'll try not to let you guys down on this 5K. I'm not a runner. I'll tell you that much. All right, we'll go back to the calls. 877-337-6666. James in Monroe, you're up on the fan. Hello, Danielle. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, James? Okay, I haven't spoken to you. Are you still on Saturday night? Been a while. Uh, n- no, I mean, as of now, no. I've got a... Well, tomorrow I'll be on sa- Saturday, 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. So does that count? Uh, yeah, well, I guess so. Okay. Ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that counts. Well, you know what it is? Now? What are your days now? Yeah, you know, James, it's literally just it's week to week. I, I don't know when I'm going to be on. It's week to week. So I guess stay tuned. I, I do know I have a shift on next Wednesday night, the 20th, this time, okay. next Wednesday night. And then next Saturday after that, it's 5 to 9. But that's as far as I know. 5 to 9 p.m. That's as far they as I know. They take you off 
happened that you request to come on? I'm, I'm just going with the schedule here. I just okay. It was asked to me, and I, and I went with it. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, I wanted to talk to you about the Mets. Um, we haven't spoken like quite a long time because yeah. I just actually got back to work in the city oh. um, about a week ago. How are you loving the I traffic? For, I was out for a long, long time. But um, it's okay. Uh, you know, I survived. Um, I wanted to talk about a situation with the Mets manager. I, I remember when we were talking, yeah. I was telling you I wanted Louis fired forever, yeah. you know, um, and I was glad they let him go, you know, because I, I wasn't a very big Louis fan. I just think that his, his, uh, the fact that he was too green and it cost the Mets so many games because of that fact. Yeah, I remember and, you and, saying this, yeah, and using the word green in particular, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know what? That's okay. I think that the Mets, they have a lot of decisions to make, and I just want them to make the right decisions. I don't want them to bring in some guy who, you know, doesn't know anything. They need some experienced guys Mm -hmm. that know what they're doing and know how to work the system, you know. And that's always been the problem, that bringing these guys, like, off off the rack that, you know, have no real strong backgrounds. And what happens is they end up eating away at the Mets, and it takes away from their team, and they never get anything accomplished because every time they try, it never works. You know, it never works. Yeah, but I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. who you think the Mets should get as far as for their general manager, uh, president, and their uh, manager. Yeah, and, and great questions there, James. And I know you're a huge Mets fan, and, and you were right. You were right about Rojas, right? And, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, like... I don't know. He is missing his number one pitcher in Jacob deGrom. He is missing his number two pitcher in Noah Syndergaard. Ultimately, though, the Mets decided to let him go. Um, I, if I were the Mets, see, we had on, I had on Tim, Tim Healy, what, last weekend? I'm, I'm losing track of the days here. It's all blending together. But, I mean, there really isn't a, a clear front runner. And I'm going to ask Mark Feinstein, too, coming up at 1020. About this situation for the Mets, I don't, I don't know if there's a singular name. I mean, the top choice is not there; it's no longer there. Theo Epstein is, is no longer there. He, they, I can't believe that they mutually agreed to to not do it. I think, I think there's more to that story. Maybe we'll never know. I, I don't have a name, you know, for president of baseball ops. Or, I, I don't. But the one name that I would definitely, I am absolutely intrigued by is uh, Mike Schilt from the Cardinals, who was fired over the phone. He was fired over the phone, which is is a real coward way to do it. If you ever fired anybody over the phone, it's not a good scenario, you guys. Uh, He was shocked. I mean, as of nine hours ago, he's saying, I'm still numb. And the reason why they parted was, according to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, was that they needed to go a different way. Now, that intrigues me because... Is that a team, an organization that is married to analytics and he wanted to buck the trend? Or is it a team that wants to go old school and he was very into the analytics? My guess is the first one. And I would already have placed a call to him, honestly. Just to see. Just to see what the situation was. And and I would be intrigued by him. He's 53 years old. Mike Schilt. I kind of like it. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because it's like... The, the Cardinals, where'd they come from? You know, where do they even come from out of nowhere? They played, the team clearly played for him at the end there in that stretch run that they made. So 
I don't know. I, I'm definitely intrigued by Mike Schilt, if that um, maybe answers the question. I just don't know, like, like how do I say this? There could be more guys coming available, like, in these next couple days, couple couple weeks. Like, there's no clear front runner, I don't think, for the Mets job. Okay, everybody wants to bring up Buck Walter. Okay, um, I know he's on the Padres list. I don't know. But I could tell you the qualifications that I am looking for in, in a manager for the Mets. And even if the Yankees were to part with Aaron Boone, I, I would be looking for a manager that is a blend of analytics and gut, but probably more leaning towards gut. And I know maybe I'm in the, the minority here. Um, I'd be looking for a manager that has big-time experience in a big city, whether that be as a player or as a coach in a big market. New York, dare I say, is a major market. Um, and, I, and I always respect the guys that, that have played the game, too. And I don't know about Mike Schill. I don't know if he's played the game or not, but I'd have to do a little bit more research on him. But And I think that if you've played the game, you have a feel for the game, you know you, ha- you know how to coach the game, you're a teacher. Like All of these things is what, is what I would look for in a manager. Obviously a good communicator, not someone that's going to sit there and read off of a, a, an index card in a post-game press conferences. I don't I don't like that. So I hope I know that's a long-winded answer, but those are the qualifications that I've been looking for for sure. Mitch in Brooklyn, you're up next on the fan. Yes, hi. How you doing? What's up, Mitch? I I just want to talk a little bit about Brian Cashman. Mm-hmm. Um I I have been listening to you, mm-hmm. Danielle. I respect everything you're saying and and a lot of other uh, fans calling in mm-hmm. and other uh, announcers about it's time for Brian Cashman to leave. <clears throat> my my opinion is simply this. This is a very smart guy. Even in a bad year, when he's had a hodgepodge of players who basically played out of position, have not settled in to a real, you know, kind of routine um, where they feel comfortable, like uh, moving towards to, uh, to, to second base, finally he settled in. Yeah, but why did it take so long? Well, you know, I think it was just a matter of who he had to work with. And 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 I look, I look the, the point is, is that Brian Cashman is a smart guy. Even in a bad year, he he brings the team to at least a wild card. I think he's he's a guy who can learn, and he's, he, he sees what's going on. He sees how the team is imbalanced, that it really is not – I mean, it's really not set up to be just a power team. It needs to be a team that that sets up uh, 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 runs and and moves and runs, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, a a different kind of team. When they were winning and close to the World Series and when they were winning World Series, which he brought them to, it was a different kind of team. And I think the guy evolved. I think just like you and I evolved, we, we pay attention, we learn. And he's not an idiot. He's a smart dude. Sure, and he I is a smart Aaron guy. But... He's a smart guy too, and he's whatever he's given uh, to work with. I think the guy will work with it well because he but... has a relationship with the players. All right, let me ask you this: Aaron Hicks, okay. seven years, seventy million dollars. What do you think? I think he's just been injury prone. I think it's a terrible uh, and... contract. I think it was a mistake when it happened, and it's a terrible contract. 
Well, it may it, it's it's certainly turned out to be a terrible contract, and I agree with you. Yeah, but I but yeah, you but you can't anticipate injuries. I mean, it's just no. But I didn't like him before that. I didn't care for Aaron Hicks before that. How about falling? How about falling in love with the prospects of Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar? What are they worth now? In, I don't think he fell in love with with Clint Frazier. Well, they're still on the gave, team. I think it gave him a chance. But they're still on the team. They didn't trade him when they could have. Well, they you know they tried to trade him at different times, but. Clint Fraser got in his own way. All right. What about Miguel Andujar then? Again, injuries uh, took away his, um, you know, his value, and he had to work his way back, and he couldn't because he couldn't break in to the lineup because of the way he was established, and he doesn't have a position. What about I mean, the? I mean, I agree with you that maybe he evolved, and maybe it was all of us here on these stations saying the Yankees need left-handed bats in that order. But again, that that's the batting order, and that's the roster that he put out there. You know, like you're absolutely, you're absolutely but, right, and I think it got away from him because he was seduced. You know, when Stanton's contract came about, it was a, a real, you know, seduction to pick up a guy like that. Yeah, but and then, but I'll be on the record. I, I know Stanton's been great for the Yankees as of late. I'll be on the record. I, I didn't want that contract. They already had that sort of a prototypical player in Aaron Judge. I agree with you. Uh, I think he made some mistakes. I think all GMs make mistakes. I'm with you. All GMs make mistakes, really. But I just think that. I, I, what, what about the I, pitching staff? Like, how, who pitches in game two beyond Garrett Cole? Uh, you know, I, I I think he has – he doesn't have a strong pitching staff. He has an adequate pitching staff. But he, like, never has, though. That's the thing. He, like, never has. and Unless he threw all the money at CeCe Sabathia and A.J. Burnett that year that they ended up winning. Well, I mean, I, 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 I think that there is um, a lot of pitchers who he could have gotten, but they didn't want to come to New York. Well because, then, why? Then, then you have to ask why well, not. Well, New York. You know, well, look. You know, New York is a special place, and a lot of players don't want to come under that pressure. Um, and um, he has to kind of find and pick players who he thinks would, you know, be able to perform here. I mean, there's a lot of dynamics here in in in, in making a team because of the uniqueness of being in New York. But but I, I just don't think. I think we're getting back to the original point. Yeah. I just think that Brian Cashman is a learner. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's had, you know, great mentors and he's, he, he sees what the writing on the wall is right now. And I'm, 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 I'm of the opinion that he should stay on with Aaron Boone and make the adjustments. I think they need to clear up first base, establish a first baseman, keep Torres at third. They need to find a shortstop. Um, maybe you know they put Lemayu back on first base and find a third. See, that's a uh, that's a lot of moves there, Mitch. Mitch, that's a lot of moves. Down. And DJ Lemayu is would be out of position at first base. I mean, there's a lot of things there. I agree with you. If they came out and said, if he came out and said, I completely constructed this totally wrong. We're gonna blow it up. We want more athletic players. We want base stealers. We want guys that go first to third. Hustle players. Then I can get on board with it. I just don't see it happening. I really just don't see it happening. And speaking of roster construction, you know, and by the way, but the uh, the Devils just netted the game winner. It was Jack Hughes. Look at that. Number 86, Jack Hughes. Deke the goalie. Threw his stick into the stands. And the Devils have beaten the Blackhawks 4-3 to at the Rock to a crowd that went absolutely wild. If you haven't seen the play, go ahead. I'm, I, if the Devils tweet it, I'll retweet it because it was amazing. That was an amazing goal. And, by the way, the Major League Baseball has set 
the qualifying or, or uh, dollar amount league wide to be eighteen point four million dollars. That does matter in and around these parts, especially to the Mets and especially to two guys named oh I don't know, Syndergaard and Conforto. Will they accept a qualifying offer at that price from the Mets? And should they accept it? Your thoughts, along with mine, coming right up. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. And a little bit of chicken fries. Cold beer on a Friday night. How perfect is this song? Maybe you guys have got us tuned in with the cold beer on a Friday night. And the radio on. What a perfect song. We've got to add this into the, the mix here, Paul. This is awesome. Zach Brown Band. Welcome back to Danielle in the Dark. McCartan before midnight, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've retweeted, and I, you've got a couple of you guys have sent it to me, and I've retweeted every one of them. The, the, the Hughes goal was so sick. It was so sick. The more you watch it in slow motion even, go ahead and, and go over to Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, to take a look at that. And as we just teased, as we just teased, uh, Major League Baseball has a new qualifying offer, $18.4 million. And why does that matter to one of our New York teams? Well, the Mets have two guys named Syndergaard and Conforto that are directly affected by this. So let's take one and both of them. Look at the market value. So let's take Syndergaard first. Spot Track, love the website, highly recommend it. Spot Rack, Spot Rack. He has, uh, or they have, Noah Syndergaard's market value uh, just about $11 million higher than the qualifying offer. Syndergaard said at the end of September, he said, I'm fairly confident that we will reach an agreement and I'll be pitching here next year. Great. So the Mets get a player for a fraction of the cost and Syndergaard, the player, gets to prove himself to the Mets and to the rest of the league after pitching in only two late season games this past season. And that would potentially make his stock rise for when he actually hits free agency. So fully expect Syndergaard to accept it ASAP as soon as he possibly can, which I believe is right after the World Series. Conforto, though, not so much a sure thing. If I were Conforto, I would accept it. If I were advising him, I would also tell him to accept it. Because his market value, after a really bad season that he just had, Six years at $19 million per year. Now, the qualifying offer is 18.4. So if I were him and if I were advising him, I'd say, dude, you are worth so much more than that. Get out there one more season in New York. Prove to every single person in this league that last season was a fluke and take it to the bank next season in free agency. And the Mets benefit because as a team, they would again Get a player playing under market value. And if he or Syndergaard were to reject the qualifying offer, the Mets will be compensated with draft picks. So win-win, in my opinion. Win-win-win, actually. Offer them the offers. Go from there. And uh, and that and, and movement on that will happen right at the conclusion of, of the World Series. So we got some time. But that's what I would do. Let's go Vernon in Manhattan. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? What's up, Vernon? I saw your emails today, and I literally did not even get changed after school. I saw the emails, and I did not get a chance to open any of them. I'm sorry. I will tomorrow morning. Okay, emails. Uh, two of them are videos, and uh, I was the photos. 
And there's a Green Bay question I wanted to ask you. It's not a quiz or anything like that. Okay. So that's a lot of stuff I sent you. I was bored, um, you know, <laughs> when the baseball season is over, I just go around and look at things, and people were sending me things. So yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I forgot about this stuff. So I sent them to you. So you can take a look at it. Take I will. Time I promise. And see how everything goes. So anyway, um, talking about the Mets recording, uh, Noah Syndergaard and um, Conforto, and I agree with you. They should take these contracts right now and prove themselves to do better, and hopefully they'll get a better contract. Uh, but I think right now with this uh, new owner, he's going to go and look around. But first of all, he needs a, a GM, a manager, and uh, someone else to work the program. And that's my thoughts. So I hope you see everything I sent you, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. All right, Vernon. Have a nice day. <laughs> you too, Vernon. We'll talk tomorrow. Sure. I, I'll do my homework. Vernon sent me like five or six emails with different articles, and literally I got home from school, did not even change. I'm wearing actually a pink T-shirt because it was a wear a pink out today at school for, for breast cancer awareness. So I'm wearing a pink T-shirt and jeans. And we were allowed to wear jeans if you wear pink, which is a, always a great trade-off. <laughs> and you make a donation. So I made a donation. 20 bucks, and I got to wear my jeans today. All right, let's go. Before we hit the top of the hour here, let's go James in Northport. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. How's it going? It's good to talk to you. Of course. Thanks for making the call. I appreciate it. Thanks. No problem. Uh, so really, I'm in, I think I'm in the minority here with the this take, but I really think, to be honest with you, I heard a bunch of your callers say that they think they should Yankees should clean house, but I'm... I don't think that they should. I think, to be honest, I, I think you got to get rid of Boone because he, the way that he managed, and it doesn't seem like to me that he has control over the locker room. It doesn't seem like he's, and the way that just the, how many times I've heard on uh, the fan and the post games and um, the way that he talks to the media, it just makes me cringe every time. It, it does. does. Wait, James, let me stop you right there. It does make me cringe too, but when you look at the players that have literally gone to bat for him, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, they are. They, I, I wouldn't say that they don't play for him. I, I do believe that they do play for him. Um, but the press conferences are cringeworthy, sure. But again, we'll go back to the point of, you or I could be plugged in there and we would be given the same information and probably the same directives. Like, the the strength of the manager isn't today what it, what it used to be back then. So it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter who's really in charge, honestly. Oh, well, yeah. I it's almost like, it's almost like they're given a script, given a playbook. Like he was, and, and Boone has said it before, like whatever player it was, uh, that I think it was Gary Sanchez was going to be pinch hit for, or he was going to be the pinch hitter. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he said that was, that was it. That's what it was going to be. Like, Where's the feel in that? You know, like I, I don't get it. Yeah, it's. I, but I think I think that Boone should go. Just be. But I. But I think that Cashman. I think he should stay because I think that the moves that he's made um, haven't been that terrible this year. I think the getting uh, Clay Holmes has worked out because he pitched really well toward the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And I think um, the moves that he, how he got rid of Ford, who is now has since been DFA'd, mm -hmm. and same thing with Talkman. So I think the moves that he made this year weren't so bad. And what, what also is my is my thinking, because if the Yankees do get rid of Cashman, then, it, then all of the other teams are going to be on the phone with him trying to get him to be the GM of their team. And that's that fine. Time. And they'll have first-round playoff exits, you know, them too, you know? 
I, I see what you're saying, but I would keep. I think I would keep him on a get, give him on a one year deal. Let him let him redo this team. See what he could do. I think that he's going to make big moves this offseason. Yeah, but James, here's the thing though, and this is two parts. Of this he only has one year left on his current contract, so that's the year you're going to allow him to to pick a new manager and to basically and he then let him know, put him on notice that he's going to be up against it, and then and then what? He's going to sell the farm or really, you know what I mean? Like. The Yankees have what the second highest payroll in baseball, and and why is that? It's it's because of the bad deals that he's made. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but also the fact that I think that if any any team that uh, he, I think he's going to be a Hall of Fame GM, and he is a Hall of Fame GM, I think, and the fact that it kind of worries me a little bit that even if if we do release him, that all the teams are going to go after him because he's and that's a good, fine. And a good GM, I just don't think it's a good idea to move on from. Yeah, and, and that's fine, James. That's that's a fine opinion. But let me tell you something right now. For 2022, I'm looking at spot track right now. The Yankees' 26-man payroll is going to be the highest in the league. And it's not close. It's by like 20 or 21, $22 million. There should be a World Series trophy at, at uh, 161st Street as a result of that. Sorry. I hate to be that person, but Sorry. Cashman's made some really bad deals. And I point to Hicks for that for that right squarely. And I know we have to hit a break here, so we've got an update from Bob Husler coming your way. And, of course, we'll take more of your calls and I'll keep this discussion going, obviously, into the, the 10 p.m. hour. So I'm Daniel McCartan with you on The Fan until 11. Your official station to talk Knicks. The Fan on 1019 FM and the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Danielle in the dark. I, I don't know what to call this. Welcome back to my show. I'm Danielle McCartan here on the fan with you until 11 p.m. We have Mark Feinsand coming up uh, in just about 15 minutes or so. So um, if you're a Yankee fan, if you're a Met fan, I got you both covered. This is an interview that you're not going to want to miss. He's going to be calling us live um, or we're going to call him live in about 15 minutes. So uh, stay tuned for that. And with that said, I, I, I do want to get right to the calls. So 877-337-6666. I just don't like anybody hanging on for too, too long. You know what I mean? I used to call here. I understand. All right, let's go. Carmen in uh, St. Petersburg. You're up on the fan. Thank you for taking the call. Of course. Thanks for making it. Um, I appreciate it. Um, Mike Schill. Yeah. Uh, it's my understanding he uh, decided to mutually leave after the Cardinals wanted to gut his uh, coaching staff. Um, my question for you is, is something similar playing out in the Bronx where we have one side playing chicken and one side playing three-dimensional chess? You know, yeah, one wanting to make a little more money because they are among the lowest-paid managers, mm-hmm. hence the San Diego rumors and other things sure and one side trying to assert their authority by controlling essentially more of the coaching staff than ever before and hoping that it lands somewhere in the middle i i think i i don't think yankee fans would be upset if aaron boone does not come back and i think the yankees are trying to i i in my heart of heart hope that the yankees are trying to make this as amicable as possible by not offering him as much money as the Padres could or not offering him as long as a contract as the Padres could, and then they're just going to plug and play another guy in there. That's what I think. 
Right. I, I'd agree with you that I, I think San Diego can offer more yes. or would offer more and that the Yankees probably have a short list of candidates that they'd be just as okay with. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know what? And, and firing, I mean, three of his coaches and his right-hand man in Phil Nevin, who was a great guy, I mean, right. that's that's kind of like a warning shot. It's kind of like I, I equated it before to playing chess. That's chess. That's check. And I don't think the Yankees want to put him in checkmate. I think they want to put, let him decide what his fate's going to be. And therefore, it's an amicable split. Done deal. Right. I kind of feel that way. And I, and, and I hope that's kind of the way it goes. But honestly, everything I'm everything is indicated that Boone will be back. Cashman will be back. Status quo again for the New York Yankees. Gerard in Oldbridge, you're up on the fan. Hey, how are you? Great, uh, how are you? I guess my, my – I was – these guys come before me kind of took my Aaron Boone point. But they have, the Yankees have, I think, 18 or 19 players eligible for arbitration. I think it's the most in the league. So if they don't offer a player arbitration, what happens to that player? Do they become a free agent or well, it depends. are they still playing? Yeah, there, there's so many layers of arbitration that it, it depends on each player. They could or they could not. There's because ma- I think that all plays into – the philosophy, right? If you're going to bring Cashman and Boone back, are you changing your philosophy? Because some of these players, like, I mean, I can't see Gary Sanchez. I mean, uh, I feel like that, that that dream of him being the catcher is over. You would think. And, you I would mean, hope. So I mean, you would hope, right? I mean, you would hope. But he's got one year left on his salary. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this upcoming season. So, yeah, you might as well get I mean, something for him. I was looking at the numbers. It's you know, like a guy to me, like the value in some of these guys. I think like, you know, Gio Urshela. To me, I, I think I've heard people call in and say they don't want him back. I, to me, I, I, I like him. I, I can me defensively, he's one of the top three or four in the uh, defenseman in the league. I mean, uh, I'm just getting. I, I feel like I, I look back and get nostalgia from looking at the the '98 Yankees yeah. and, and the '96 and 2000. A lot of those guys, they weren't Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. They just were good ball players. They played that together. Charlie Hayes. Yep. Scott Broches. David Justice. Yes. Yes. And I just don't, I, I, I don't see how you fix this Yankee team. I mean, I know that Tampa Bay left early, but I mean, I feel like Tampa Bay and Boston were, were built kind of similar. No one thought Boston was going to be good this year. They got a bunch of pesky hitters who get on base. Yep. They got on first. Second, bunted over to third, you know, right. scored a sack fly. Exactly, and they have and they have a clear cut one and two starter, Chris Sale, Nathan Ivaldi. I mean, the Yankees don't have that, you know, and and that's <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and right, and they had him and they got rid of him, right? Yes, so that's what I'm saying. So there's a lot of improvements to be made on this Yankees team. Gary Sanchez, if he returns to New York as the catcher of the New York Yankees, when the number one pitcher in Garrett Cole and the number two pitcher Corey Kluber from this past season don't want to pitch to him, they'd rather pitch to Kyle Tagashioka. I mean, you're going to have a, a catcher, you're going to reward a catcher that, that, how do I say it, is going to catch, what, three-fifths of your starting rotation? You're going to reward him with a handsome contract? Get out of here. Trade him while you can. While he has a little bit of an uptick. Carlos in the Bronx, you're up next on The Fan. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, thanks for making it. I, I was calling for Brian. Brian Cash should have been fired three or four years ago. 
even the one World Series that he won in 2009, that mm-hmm. wasn't even all his players. That was all Jeter, Moe. Yep. Pettit, uh, uh, Posada. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I was calling for his firing this year in particular, because this year was, was, was brutal. In April, the Yankees came into the season with one defined starter in Cole and four projects. Yes. Kluber, Tyon, uh, Montgomery, yep. and, and Domingo Herman. Yes. So any of those dudes didn't pitch last year. Yep. I know. We talked you know about I mean? that. We so talked about that in February. I know. It's a shaky rotation. How do you think you're going to – I mean, if one or two of them panned out, he would look like a genius. You know what I mean? But they didn't. Exactly. But you don't come into a season with right. one starter and four projects. Right. He can go south just like he did. Yep. And, and and people say, well, well, but the Yankees make the playoffs every year, even if it's a wild card. They trend in the wrong way. Yes. This year, they, they barely got in luck. Yep. And, they, and even last year. You pitched Cole, and you had no number two guy to put in. Yep. You had no idea who who the hell was going in uh, on game two. Yep. This year, same thing. I'm tired of it. This guy is being fed bad math, and he's full of himself. Boone, the manager that they put in, he's, he's a stooge. I, I, I guess the, the uh, job interview for, for Yankee manager nowadays goes, Okay, are you willing to do what we tell you to do? Yes, then you hire. That's what's happened. Boone is not a manager. He's never been a manager. Yes. He's never made a decision in his life. Yep. It's almost like there's a, a binder that says, okay, open up inning number one. Here's how this is going to well, go. Inning number exactly. two. Here's how it's going to go. Yeah. I don't understand what. Listen, Danielle, if you gave me $200 million, I'll make the playoffs, and I'm not a manager. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm nothing. Yeah, I know. So people like people are saying, well, if they make the playoffs, dude, if you had that kind of money, a bus driver can make the freaking playoffs <laughs> if you have top two uh, payroll in yeah. all of baseball. Yeah, and and the top one next season, number one. I know. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm so frustrated. I'm done. All right, thanks for taking the call, bro. Yeah, of course. Carlos, I appreciate that. I get the frustration. I, I really do. And it's like, okay, if you're happy with making the postseason in the manner that the Yankees have and, and not really ever really compete with, think about the top teams. The Yankees are not able to compete with the top teams that are still in this. In this, I'm telling you. They don't have a number two starter. They have a catcher that can't catch a ball. They've, they had uh, Glaber Torres playing shortstop. Everybody knew the kid wasn't a shortstop. And then all of a sudden, oops, let's just switch him back to second base. And all of a sudden, he began hitting at second base. I mean, I don't know. Brett Gardner, again, if having him be the fourth outfielder. No, Aaron Hicks is going to be your fourth outfielder. That's it. Done deal. You need to bring Anthony Rizzo. But there's so many things that you could do with this with this team and you should do with this team that I'm not sure you're going to leave it up to a general manager that has one year left on his deal. That's it. Let's go Robbie in Lennox. You're up next on the fan. Danielle, ciao, come about. <laughs> I'm great. I'm so bad at too. Yeah, you too. Yeah, anyway, uh, you know, I have to tell you something. For a young person like yourself, you're like the only person that I can agree with that Dee Flamey was not a hitter. Where in the world was Brian Cashman when Kiki Hernandez was available this year and they needed an outfielder? I know I suggested him. I definitely suggested him. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, your last caller, I mean, I, I, you know, I can sense the frustration because I'm more frustrated and I don't even want to go into it. I mean, I cannot believe 
that this guy is still going to be general manager of this team with everything that he's done the last three years and watching this team regress. And it's amazing to me, since 2004, I believe the Red Sox have had four general managers, okay? Now, I'm thinking to myself, and I, I, I wonder if you agree with this, sometimes you have to sink to rock bottom to climb up the ladder again. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees have just been satisfied with, okay, we'll just make the playoffs and that's it. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I want some athletes. I want some guys to put the ball in play. You know, it's amazing to me when the Yankees were winning, what, four to five championships in the 90s? Mm-hmm. And even when I was a kid in the 70s when they won championships? I mean, there was no analytics. There was none of this BS. Oh, let's see what the computer says tonight and pull up the sheet and see where it's in batting order. I mean, I mean, I'll go back to 2009. And Techie Matsui bat his fifth every game mm-hmm. and had the same lineup basically every game. I'm like, I don't know. I think analytics has destroyed not only the game, but it's killed the Yankees because there's no consistency. Oh, this guy's got a 10-game hitting streak, and we'll just sit him out today. Oh, by the way, I wanted to tell you, I sent you my link to my radio program um, on your instant messengers on Facebook. So I just wanted to let you know. Oh, okay. So, I'll take a look for it. All right. Yeah. So if you yes. want to check it out. But, yeah, my buddy Sean and I, we're going to have a eventual podcast, and we're really excited about it. Cool. It'd be actually nice to get back in the broadcast business. I, I sent my, I sent a note to my buddy Tim Nebert, who's the voice of the Dodgers. We used to do radio together, and he's a Red Sox fan. I told him he stinks because he's a Red, <laughs> Red Sox fan, Red yeah. Sox fan and a Dodger right now. Oh, no, don't blow up his spot. That's really bad, right? (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so seriously, I mean, you do a great job, and you really put things in perspective about how to build a baseball team. And honestly, I wish wish you could be the general manager of the Yankees. But anyway, thanks for the time, as always. I'm I'm so glad you got a slot on Friday night, so it's great. It's great to hear you, and continue success, seriously. You do an amazing job. Thanks, Rob. We appreciate that. uh, Sorry about that. Um, Yeah, I'm available. Uh, Let me check my calendar. Yeah, Yankees, if you guys want to give me a call, I'm, I'm available. 877 No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so uh, we've got Mark Feinstein coming up. Coming up next, very excited. Got something for the Mets and the Yankees fans, so don't go anywhere. Mark fan, Feinstein coming up next on The Fan. The Fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey, Google, play WFAN. Welcome back to McCartan before midnight here on The Fan. we got the boys of summer playing the Atari's version, that sounds like. And we are lucky to have live on the line right now, this Friday night, is an executive reporter for MLB.com and an MLB Network insider, Mark Feinstein. Mark, thanks for taking the time out for us tonight. I, I, re, I and we really appreciate it. Uh-oh, my pleasure, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You got the game on? Boston-Houston, 3-1. Of course, of course. It's October. There's baseball on my TV. I'm out of the game. <laughs> yeah, I got the Devil's Post and the on the bottom TV. I got everything going on in here. Um, I can't get I can't get into hockey yet. Too early. Got to got to got to wait till uh, till baseball season's over before I can uh, dedicate any time to that. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. So you know, obviously, you know, we are the Yankees Radio Network. We're going to take it from here. We got something for the Met fan and for the Yankee fan tonight. Um, I, I noted this in my open last year. The postseason wrap-up press conference for the Yankees came five days after the Rays sent them home. This year, it's been, as of right now, 10, at least 10. What do you read into the silence from the Yankees for this long? I don't really read anything into it when you have a manager who is signed uh, with a contract and and everything is sort of settled and and there's really nothing left up in the air. Then you can have an end-of-season press conference. I mean, right now... For Brian Cashman to get up in front of the media uh, and 
not have answers to the questions they're going to be asking, uh, it doesn't really make sense to have that press conference, right? So until they settle the managerial position and they figure out, uh, you know, they have their organizational meetings and, and sort of figure that stuff out, uh, I'm not sure what, what purpose a season-ending press conference would necessarily serve. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm asking then, then, then why – drag it out then why hasn't there been a decision made on the fate of Aaron Boone and and Cashman I know he's got a year left but why hasn't there been you know a decision made on them I don't think there's a decision to be made on Cashman I I think he's the GM and he's coming back as far as I'm concerned I don't think uh, uh, you know I don't think Hal Steinbrenner looks at the season that the Yankees had uh, and as disappointing as the ending was you know, they battled through some stuff to get to the postseason. Uh, they lost to the Red Sox, but I don't think that he looks at that as, as a Brian Cashman failure, uh, especially, you know, given that he went out at the trade deadline and, and made some moves to address some of the weaknesses that the team had, namely left-handed hitting. Um, you know, Aaron Boone's situation, you know, he's under contract till the 31st. I don't think there's um, necessarily a, a rush which sounds weird, but I think if, if the Yankees have decided that they want to bring Boone back and my gut tells me that that is what's going to happen, yeah. um, you know, I'm sure that's been communicated to Boone and, and maybe they're working on a contract. Maybe they're, uh, you know, there, there could be a number of things that are sort of holding it up. But, um, you know, I just don't know that there's, you know, nothing's going to happen right now unless they're going to go into a managerial search, in which case they would need to, you know, sort of get that going. Um, if they're all sort of on the same page that Boone's going to come back, then there really isn't anything urgent to take care of right now other than just coming to terms on a contract and, and making that announcement. So the firings of the three coaches, two of which Marcus Timms and, and Phil Nevin, I mean, I, I said this in the open too, I kind of look at it kind of like a game of chess. Like the Yankees have Boone in check. Like, hey, we fired two of your guys. It's your move next. Like, what do you think of the move to to fire the three coaches? Well, you know, Marcus was there. He predated Boone, I believe. Um, I believe he was on Joe Girardi's coaching staff uh, at least his final year. So that wasn't somebody Boone brought in. Nevin is one of Boone's closest, uh, uh, you know, allies in the game, and, and certainly he was a guy that Boone brought in. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a message to Aaron or not. It could be. Um, but, you know, I remember – when Girardi got hired back in, in 08, um, you know, he was basically allowed to bring in two coaches himself. He brought in Mike Harkey and he brought in Bobby Meacham. And after the first year, when the Yankees missed the playoffs, Meacham got fired. Um, and I don't know, that may have been a message to Girardi. Maybe this was a message to Boone. Maybe if Nevin doesn't wave Aaron Judge home and he gets thrown out of the plate in that wild card game, maybe he doesn't get fired. I, you know, I think firing coaches in general is sort of a – scapegoaty sort of message sending type of a thing because is it Marcus Timms's fault that DJ LeMahieu went from MVP candidate to not at all MVP candidate or that Glaber Torres went from all-star to subpar offensive player. Timms was the hitting coach when they were doing the great things and he was the hitting coach this year. And I make the same argument for Boone. The players are the reason that this team didn't, didn't go anywhere this year. Uh, there were too many guys who underperformed and I put that on the players. It's, it's, you know, they're professionals. Yes, coaches help. Um, but when a team is thriving, I don't really give the manager and the hitting coach and the pitching coach all, all the credit. So when the team stumbles, I'm not going to give them all the blame either. 
I look at Marcus, Tim, Marcus Timms and what this team does with runners in scoring position, and it's not just this past season. I mean, the situational t- hitting on this team has been atrocious. I mean, I, like you said, they are professionals. They know what to do. But part of me is like, well, why can't they do it? Well, you know, it's funny. They led the majors, or they were in the top three in runs scored in the majors each of the last three years before this year. Um, and people were complaining about situational hitting then. When Kevin Long was the hitting coach and they were leading the majors in scoring every year, they were struggling with situational hitting then as well. Uh, I don't know why they can't do it. It's, uh, it's you know, you, I think when you get to the playoffs, which is where these things really um, get magnified, mm-hmm. you're facing better pitching. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're a team that's relying on home runs all year, that's going to be – uh, an issue come October, but if you look at the teams that win in October, they're the ones that hit the home runs. So uh, I, I just think that, uh, you know, when you're leading the league in runs or you're up there, you know, in the top two or three, it it can mask a lot of the uh, sort of, you know, other issues that there are, such as, you know, situational hitting and, and not hitting the run in scoring position. This year, the Yankees were nowhere near the top of the league in runs, which made those uh, situational, uh, you know, the lack of situational hitting even worse because they weren't making up for it with the three-run homer. Right. Um, and we're talking about executive reporter for MLB.com, Mark Feinstein. He's here with us on the fan live. Thank you, by the way, <laughs> again. Um, you know, I think maybe Yankee fans are trying to sort this out. The firing of the coaches, is it, is it hopefully the sign of a philosophy shift offensively? Or is it just the Yankees' way of saying, like, hey, look, we're going to keep the GM, we're going to keep the manager, but look, we're doing stuff. Look, see? You know, sometimes uh, there's just a thought process that hitters need a new voice or uh, pitchers need a new voice or, um, you know, just that, that I don't know if it's a philosophy thing as much, especially in this day and age where the front office really guides the philosophy as much as the coaching staff. Um, you know, I think that there's just, probably a time where they said, all right, you know, whatever Marcus had been doing that got those great results out of LeMahieu or got those great results out of Glaber and they weren't there this year, maybe they need a new voice. Maybe mm-hmm. they just need somebody else fresh to come in with fresh eyes and uh, and look at it there. I mean, look, the Nationals uh, didn't bring back Kevin Long, but Philly snapped him up in about five seconds. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Marcus, uh, I don't think this will be his last job in baseball. I think teams just need a change sometimes and, and they – look at certain areas and say, where where did we not perform well and what can we do to try to make that better? Uh, you know, the answer is not change all the players because that's not how it works, mm-hmm. right? You can't, uh, you know, you just dump guys who have guaranteed contracts and, um, you know, you might be able to make a change or two uh, roster-wise with guys who are free agents or make a trade or two, but it's not like you can just say, okay, we're going to dump seven-ninths of our lineup and just try to bring some new players in here. <laughs> yeah. uh, in football, you might be able to do that because the contracts aren't guaranteed, but you can't do that in baseball. So um, I-, I think it's more of a um, – I don't think it was a we're going to keep the manager and GM, but, hey, look, we did this stuff. Uh, I think it's just you know Brian Cashman trying to figure out where and how they can improve upon what they felt were their shortcomings this year. Ultimately, I, I think – I think we can agree that they're probably going to bring Aaron Boone back. Cashman's still got a year left on his deal. Um, you know, I've never met Hal Steinbrenner, but I'm I'm sure you, Mark Feinstein, probably know him well enough. I mean, one of the questions that has come up here on the show a couple times is, has, how do I say this, has Hal Steinbrenner's 
decades-long relationship with Brian Cashman kind of sort of either clouded his judgment on him, gotten in the way of him saying, like, okay, thank you, but we're done here. Like, like, what is that relationship like in terms of, like, okay, ending this? Because GM of the Yankees is not like a Supreme Court justice. You know, it's not a job <laughs> for life. No, it's not. But that said, um, if I look at it this way. If the Yankees decided to cut ties with Brian Cashman, how many teams would try to hire him as their GM the next day? Mm-hmm. I would say half the league, maybe. Yeah. I mean, he would be so in demand, uh, it wouldn't even be funny. And I think the fact that Cashman has worked for the Steinbrenners as long as he have, I mean, we're looking at a quarter century in this job, which yeah. is just uh, just unheard of. Has right? it been I mean, that, we 25 were, years? Uh, almost. This okay. is going to be, I believe, coming up, going to be his 20. I think it's going to be his 25th season. 1998 was his first season. So as a GM. Um, So you're looking at about a quarter century, which, you know, the problem is pre-Cashman, you were looking at a GM every year or or two years or two in a year uh, under George Steinbrenner. Hal Steinbrenner is not George Steinbrenner. He does not have the impulsive, um, this went wrong, so I'm going to fire everybody mold in him. That's not who he is. He is a methodical man who uh, likes to think out his decisions doesn't like to make rash decisions and and really looks at, at what happened and just tries to decide what is the reason. You know, Brian and Hal talk all the time. There's not a move Brian makes in terms of the roster, uh, in terms of adding somebody, a trade, a free agent, without Hal being very well informed and, and signing off on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I just think that the relationship there is one of trust. And Brian's done enough good things in this game uh, for years, this is not just a well. He won the World Series in 2009, uh, or he, you know, won some World Series early in his career. Uh, this team is a contender every year, uh, and they're they don't have the financial advantages that they once did, where they could just sign whatever free agent they wanted and spend more than everybody else, and that was that. There's now luxury taxes. There's draft pick penalties. There's all sorts of things that go into this that make this job a little more complicated than it was when Cashman first took over. So I'm not sure how it's blind to anything. I think he trusts Brian. I think there's a great working relationship there. And the Yankees have been a, a contending team, um, which even look at a team like the Red Sox, they won the World Series in 18. They missed the playoffs and were under 500 after that. Like, you know, the Yankees don't have those ups and downs where they have 70 win seasons. And a lot of these other teams do. Before we shift to the Mets, uh, and maybe it's too premature, but the Yankees in 2022 are going to have the highest um, uh, payroll. On, uh, but are you expecting the Yankees to move any guys like Sanchez or Torres or Voigt or Arshella? Are you hearing anything about about those guys? Well, it's too early to say. Yeah, I thought anything's so. definitively. But you yeah. know, would it surprise me if the Yankees non-tendered Gary Sanchez? No, that would not surprise me at all. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Glaber's going anywhere because. You'd be trading him at his lowest value possible. Uh, you know, Urshela, I think, will come into play whether or not they decide they need some more pop from the third base position. Um, you know, so I, I think there will be changes. If you're going to bring back Cashman, you're going to bring back Boone, which I expect they will. You can't just run it back with the same team. There's going to have to be some changes. Um, you know, the rotation is going to have to be tinkered with a little bit. And I would expect that, uh, you know, that there would be uh, a new hitter or two somewhere along the lineup. So I, I would expect there will be changes, but I, I can't say what yeah. what precisely those changes would be just yet. Too soon. Yeah, I know. Okay, so shifting to the Mets, 
I assume that the baseball ops position is going to be filled first. I mean, really, no significant news coming out about that. Do you, where are they? How many people have they interviewed? And who have they interviewed? And who's still on the wish list for that? Well, you know, we we know that Theo is out, yes. and I think he was the sort of the the reach school, so to speak, yep. right? The dream, the dream scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, David Stearns was a guy who I know they were very interested in. New York kid, grew up on the Upper East Side, yep. Mets fan, the whole thing. Um, and, you know, young, really bright executive who's done some really great things with the Brewers. Mm-hmm. He's under contract for another year in Milwaukee, and I don't believe their owner is going to let him go anywhere. Right. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up with an extension as the president of baseball ops in Milwaukee. The name I keep hearing is Billy Bean. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's where this where this landed. Uh, I'm not saying it's definitely going to, but um, all the tea leaves that I've been that I've been able to read and just talking to people, um, you know, I think Steve Cohen wants a name. I think he wants a, a name that's going to get the fan base a little excited about, uh, you know, trying to move on from the uh, tough tough times they've gone through as a front office over the past year. And, you know, Billy Bean, I mean, heck, it's Brad Pitt, right? You're bringing in the, the guy from Moneyball. So, um, you know, I, that that wouldn't surprise me if, if Billy is the one who ends up running the show here. Plus, remember, he's got the, the tie to the Mets and, the, you know, he was drafted by them and played here. We're talking to Mark Feinstein here on The Fan. Um, you know, we, we had a long discussion tonight, me and the callers, about um, managers and the, and the power that they have are, are are the Mets looking for a guy that's actually going to go in there and manage a team or a guy that's going to just hide behind it's the it's a collaborative effort approach? Well, I think in this day and age, it has to be a collaborative effort. I mean, it's very rare, unless you bring in a Tony La Russa or a uh, Mike Socha or maybe you know somebody like their Buck Walter. Mm-hmm. But even those guys, I think there has to be a collaboration between the front office and the field staff um, just because that's the way the game is right now. It doesn't mean that you have to have the front office sending you down lineups, uh, as happens with some teams. But, you know, the, the manager can't just say, this is my team and I'm doing whatever I want and you guys just leave me alone because, um, you know, this is not this right. is not realistic in 2021, right. 2022. I, I, it's hard to say what direction they're going to go until we know who's making that decision. And I think, uh, you know, Billy Bean, obviously, the, if he is the guy – uh, you know, the A's obviously have been an analytical team as long, if not longer, than anybody else. But at the same time, they've had some good, sort of strong baseball men running their team. So there's a happy medium there. Um, I, I think, you know, it's so hard to talk about the Mets right now because until they make that hire right. for, for the guy at the top, it's right. just impossible to try to speculate anything that's going to sort of fall out beneath them. Right. You know, and I'm really intrigued for the Mets over the firing, over the phone of Mike Schilt, because I saw in the uh, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch this morning, they cited philosophical differences. What are, do you know what they are? What are the philosophical I, differences? Let me tell you, I was on that Zoom yesterday with John Mazalak, uh, the, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, and we tried every which way to, to, to get him to even give us a hint yeah. of what those philosophical differences were, and he wasn't biting. <sighs> he just said, I, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, it was just a you know a situation where they weren't upset with anything that happened this season or the way he managed the team. It was just philosophical differences about the direction in which the club was headed, and uh, you know there was speculation that could have been um, you know the front office wanted to have more say in 
uh, you know, in, in stuff that was happening on the field. It could have been his decisions on, on who, you know, to play or his, his opinion on certain players in the team. I, I wish I knew. I've been trying, you know, yeah. we've, we've all been trying to figure that out over the last 24 hours. And, um, you know, I got off that Zoom as, as confused as I've been <laughs> in a while because, you know, Schilt got them to the playoffs and I didn't think they were a particularly great team. Uh, and he did a really hell of a, hell of a job. He's going to get some votes, maybe not first place votes, but he'll mm-hmm. appear on some manager of the year va- ballots and, uh, you know, and he got fired. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I, I wish I knew the, the philosophical differences were a, uh, were a big catchphrase yesterday. I know. Cause that's intriguing to me because then, okay. So either it's the team that's analytical and he's gut manager or he's analytical and their gut team. Like I just, I want to know because I think he would be a nice fit for the Mets if he's more of like a blend between the two, like we just talked about. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think I look at the Mets right now, very similar to the way I look at the San Diego Padres, which is two teams that have a lot of talent, some real big star players, and just got crushed under expectations this year that they just couldn't meet. And I think when you have a team like that, I think the idea of bringing in an established manager, yes, um, you know, and I'm and I'm talking about somebody even more established than Mike Schilt. I'm talking about yeah, somebody like a Buck Showalter, somebody like uh, um, you know Bruce Bochy, or uh, mm-hmm. you know somebody like that. Um, you know, a guy with some real gravitas who not necessarily has to be described as a gut manager, but just just a respected manager, yeah. a guy who's going to be able to command that clubhouse the second he walks in there. I think that's the kind of guy a team like this needs coming off of a season like this, because, uh, you know, if you have a young guy or an unproven guy and things start going awry, then all of a sudden there's the whole like, are the inmates running the asylum yes. thing? And I think when you look at what happened with the Padres this year under Jace Tingler, and I'm not saying it's Luis Rojas' fault, but, you know, I, I like Luis a lot, and I think he did a good job uh, given, you know, everything that was going on right. um, during his time here. But I think bringing in one of those veteran guys with gravitas would certainly uh, certainly help the Mets uh, as they as they move forward and look to bounce back next year. Mark Feinstein, thanks so much for taking time out of your Friday night to join us here on The Fan. I appreciate it. Anytime, Danielle. Good to talk to you. I will talk soon. Thank you. All right. We are going to talk. There's an article that came out. Brandon Cuddy, I was going to bring it up, and Kevin just sent it to me. Kevin from Camden. Uh, The Yankees are considering coaching candidates who will be uh, the Ying to Aaron Boone's Yang. I think it's Yin to Yang. I think he corrected himself there. Someone who might help push the players more. Talk about that. Take more of your calls through 11 p.m. when Steve Summers comes your way. Up next on The Fan. The Fan is your station. We want to hear from you. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Carton before midnight here on the fan as we watch the ALCS here in studio. The Boston Red Sox still lead the Houston Astros 3 to 1, top of the sixth, which is now mid sixth. 3 to 1, Boston. Crazy, right? Kike Hernandez with, that, with a key home run in this game. And it's 3 7 0 for the Red Sox, 1 7 1. For the Astros. And there was a story that that Brendan Cuddy, great guy, Brendan Cuddy, put out a story saying that the Yankees are seeking a bad cop 
for Aaron Boone's staff. Well, I got a question. Wasn't the bad cop Joe Girardi, wasn't that it? Yin, Yang, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't I don't know. I mean, clearly all signs are pointing to Aaron Boone getting uh, re-upped or re-signed, I guess you should, should, we should say, and, and Brian Cashman remaining at the helm for the Yankees. Um, for me, that's that's a lot of status quo. Uh, I just heard Mike, Mark Feinstein give, t- tell us a lot about the Yankees. And uh, basically the takeaway from that is that don't be shocked when it's Boone Cashman 2022 and beyond. Now, maybe potentially the the players can step up and and be what they're expected to be. But this Yankees team's got to make a lot of moves. A lot of moves to be that, you know, aggressive team. Uh, You know, go first to third. Learn how to steal steal a base. Learn how to bunt against this shift. That, for me, is what needs to happen with this Yankees team. And maybe the philosophy shift begins with the firing of the two coaches. Two, actually three coaches, two of the three are hitting coaches. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, But I know we're the Yankees radio network. I just wish that they, they, like the Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals, would move in a different direction. But it doesn't look like I'm going to get my wish. And um, that's it. You know, just got to roll with the punches. That's all. And this is your last chance to get aboard, everybody. 877-337-6666. At 11 p.m., I'm going to hand it off to the Steve Summers here on The Fan. Okay, let's go. Uh, Sparky in Dobbs Ferry, you are up next on The Fan. Yes, Coach. How's everything? I'm great, Sparky. How are you? Okay. Um, Now, as far as the Yanks, you know, obviously, I feel like you do about Cashman and Boone. And they're probably going to keep them. But you know what stinks is... They're like, their hands are like tied behind their back in a way because you know they have lots of needs, but they're going to have to do it by blowing a luxury tax out of the water. Right. That's the only way I see. Because, you know, Coach, the kind of players they'd be trading are the kind of players that they'll get 30 cents back on a dollar Mm -hmm. for. Yeah, Torres, Sanchez. He's got one year left on his deal. I mean, that's the thing. You're not going to get anything. And, you know, also, too, after Garrett Cole, you'll get a good game from Montgomery here and there. Just starting pitching is horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's not even an issue. Now, as far as the Mets, and I mentioned this to Ricky Ricardo, I wouldn't touch Billy Bean with a thousand-foot pole because, you know what? They already have Billy Bean and Sandy Alderson, and that hasn't worked. <laughs> Yeah, I'm wondering. Yeah. yeah, I'm wondering if like I think I said this maybe to you or somebody last time. Like it's like, all right, Billy Bean and his analytics were were revolutionary then, but but what does he have now? Like, what's the next thing? I don't know if he has it. I don't know. I'm not in the interview room. You know what? That you know when you bring it up, that's a good point because I didn't bring that up to you. But one thing, like when we talk about Aroldis Chapman, and I brought this up to Ricky too. That, you know, really, he's not the answer. But when he first came around, no one else threw like him. And now that almost everybody does, he has not made the proper adjustments to change over. Yeah. Yeah. And Aroldis Chapman is, Sparky, going to continue 
to be a, a big question mark for this Yankees team moving forward. Who's the closer? It, are, will they pursue a closer and make Chapman a setup man? I think that's the best case scenario moving forward. Because Chapman can't handle a ninth inning. He just can't. I think a guy like that would, would thrive under the, the scenario where there's a guy after him that if he does screw up, there's at least a safety net after him. I would move Chapman into a setup role, eighth inning role. That's just me, though. Let's go. Speaking of uh, closers and setup man, Sparky, you were the setup man for James, who looks to be, he's a Yankee fan. So, this is, James, you are going to be the Mariano Rivera of the night. How are you? Oh, oh thanks. Uh, I've called many times over like, the last couple of years, and I, I, I know I noticed how the fans are becoming much more smarter. And they also don't mind talking about business. And I think one of the things that, that we always forget about now, especially with baseball, because with the 162 games and the, and the money they make, and, and, and also the fact that, that the antitrust is that the teams really don't have to win. We want them to win. I don't care. Cohen, the Yankees. And I think the corporatization of baseball has probably been one of the ruined nations of baseball because here you are talking about things that make sense. But why change anyone? It's, in other words, why change the manager? Why change the coach? You know, it's almost like if you're running a business and things are going well, well, do you really want to change the manager? I don't care if you're running a supermarket. If things are going great, why change it? I mean, uh, do you see my point? But would you categorize the Yankees as, as going great? Well, they're making money. Oh, well, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. That they're making money. And, yeah. and, and, and it seems like all the teams, even the teams like the Orioles, well, if they weren't making money, they wouldn't be in the business. It seems like in the other sports, because the seasons are shorter, but maybe also with less players. Well, football has more players, but there, there we know how much. Well, there's no, there's no contracts. Most of the players play two or three seasons, and nothing's guaranteed. But in baseball, with, with these millions and million dollar contracts, but it doesn't seem to affect the bottom line. I mean, that's where I'm really going. I mean, yeah. The Wall Street Journal used to cover the league a lot more. And unfortunately, well, unfortunately, uh, most papers, everything's online now, and most papers don't have the stamp they used to have. So they don't, really don't investigate as much as maybe they should be. But I think the listeners, they know an awful lot. Yeah. And they know about business. Yeah. And, and, they, and, and the owners, well, they also know that they're making money. Of course. It, it, James, great point there. I I, I got to agree with you. Um, And especially about the callers. I mean, the callers, I know on my show, always bring it. I love when you guys bring stats. You guys, I love when you say, I did my homework and that's the best. For a teacher's ears to someone to call up to the radio and say like, hey, I did my homework and this is what I found. Awesome. And to all of you guys, I could not have done it without you tonight. I love coming here talking with you all. It's been a very long day. If you missed any portion of today's show, you're going to hit that Odyssey Rewind feature. Select the start of the show, which was 7.30 p.m. tonight. MLB.com executive reporter, MLB Network insider Mark Feinstein just called in at 10.20 p.m. Gave us a glimpse into the inner workings of both the Mets and the Yankees front offices. So something for everybody there. Great job to Paulie Rosenberg behind the glass tonight, of course, as always. And also to Erica Herskowitz and Bob Husler on the updates. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow night, 9 p.m. And in the meantime, you guys can hit my social medias at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And we'll keep the conversation going up to then and through then. The Steve Summers is coming up next on your radio waves here on WFAN. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. WFAN, New York. Your official.
official station to talk Yankees. The Fan on 1019 FM and the Odyssey app.